following program may contain coarse language, suggestive dialogue, and discussion of violent imagery and sexual situations. It is intended for mature listeners who can tell the difference between facts and opinions. They say imitation is the highest form of flattery, and this is a new episode of the Toonami Faithful Podcast. I am your host, Sketch, and with me I have... Editor-in-chief of ToonamiFaithful.com, CJ Maffers. Editorial writer, Kuro. Social media manager, Stephen. And our very special guest from the Zanin Canada Podcast. I'm uh, Jesse, and uh, thanks for having me on the show. It's always a good time on uh, Toonami Faithful. Always a good time since the last time we had you on was uh, October 2015. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. And uh, so much has changed for for anime in Canada, right? In in six years, <laughs> almost six <laughs> not years. As, not as much as you might think. Um, yeah, if you're if you're not familiar with the Zon and Canada podcast, uh, we talk about issues related to anime and Canadian media and Canadian television, things like that. Uh, if you if you are Canadian, you listen to the Toonami podcast, uh, Toonami Faithful podcast. Uh, the show is probably for you. Um, it, it is very much a show where we talk about uh, things that might happen for several years and then freak out when they do finally happen. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds familiar. Yeah. Or, or, or don't. <laughs> Maybe there's more. Yeah. Or don't. Maybe there's more in common uh, between Canada and the U.S. right now than than I'm alluding to. Um but yeah, there's uh in terms of TV, there's there's really nothing uh, on uh, anime on TV. There's nothing really going on right now, as there has not been for the last several years. Um, and yeah, it's a kind of kind of been uh, stagnant in that area. But there's you know there's other stuff going on. We talk and we talk about it on the show. I actually I, as we speak, I've just uploaded my latest episode. Uh, I had Mike Tool on, and we discussed uh, the history of Osamu Tezuka dubs uh, that were done in Canada. Very interesting. Yeah, including that weird bootleg Kimba the White Lion one. Oh, <laughs> nice, nice. You know, I, I, it wasn't until that like uh, Crunchyroll anime podcast that they did recently, where they're talking about the history of anime, that I, this is literally when I learned that uh, Kimba the White Lion was like a U.S. Japan co-production. It was like, what? Sort of. I mean, those <laughs> I early those early Tezuka stuff, the only thing, or those early Tezuka titles, the only reason they got off the ground was because uh, they were picked up by c- companies in the U.S. during production. Um, and they were picked up by NBC Studios. And I, apparently Tezuka was upset when he realized that it's not the same thing as getting it on NBC in the States. They were in, they were in syndication. <laughs> that would be a bit upsetting. But I mean, anime, not in syndication. <laughs> what what kind of nonsense is this? It's a world I don't want to live in, Sketch. I mean, there were times when I used to think, like, wouldn't it be cool if, like, anime was on, like, ABC in primetime? That'd no. be cool. <laughs> I'd rather it be on other channels. I don't want it on ABC. That, that happened once upon a time, so it's not unheard of. <laughs> Yeah, it's not entirely unheard of. 
But I digress. Uh, we should actually mention that this is the first time Stephen, uh, one of our new social media folks, is on a podcast. So welcome to the podcast, Stephen. Thank you. I I hope to be of some type of service or whatever I can do to help. You came. I'm sure, uh, you'll be a valuable contributing member, Stephen. You came in highly regarded from someone, so I'll I'll leave it at that. So there's big big. Big stuff on your shoulder. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Big shoes, and, though, but that's normal for me. And Stephen was uh, one of our longtime listeners. You may have recalled the many times when we were doing Toonami Talkbacks when the name Stephen Oz was mentioned. That That's him. That's yep. the guy. That's me. So that also proves if you work hard enough and listen to us as a big fan, you can join us, too. Don't 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 say that. Oh, okay. <laughs> Never mind. You won't be allowed in. Sorry. Steven's the last one. Dangerous. I I almost made that joke, but that's a dangerous thing to suggest. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, disclosure everyone, there is no guarantee of any of this. <laughs> so, but we appreciate you listening and we appreciate your contributions. Yes, thank you. Uh, yes. <laughs> So we're mainly here to talk about the various other anime and action blocks that came about in the late 90s to 2010s. And uh, we'll, we'll also touch on something that precursored that. But before we do that, I did want to mention, and I'm not sure if it was brought up on the podcast recently, but uh, th there was a press release <clears throat> put out by... Uh, chorus entertainment over in canada which indicated oh, our favorite that, company yes that uh they 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 uh own a lot of channels <laughs> basically all of canadian english language television or um or specialty television it's basically owned by one of two companies uh you think you you think you guys have uh, bad problems with uh, media consolidation just uh <laughs> check no, out canada. it's like it's like the bbc for for UK, I would imagine it's the same concept. Where like the BBC runs pretty much everything in the UK. Well, that's a public that's that's a public broadcaster at least. And, I mean, I mean in Canada we have the CBC public broadcaster as well. So that's okay. that's actually like the, the other third of it. But when you're looking at just the private broadcasters, it's Chorus and Bell Media, and then like a couple little guys that don't even count as competition. Yeah. Yeah. And and so they, Disney. They, they, <laughs> but, but Chorus and Bell can like cherry pick from the likes of Disney and Warner and all of them to be able to kind of bolster their their channels. And that's why the Adult Swim channel over in Canada is like all the Fox shows plus Archer plus uh, some other stuff that wouldn't air on Adult Swim in the U.S., yeah, it's a weird little concoction. They've also got Harley Quinn, and they run the DC animated uh, direct-to-video uh, OVA things as well. Which uh, is pretty rare for U.S. television, but sometimes they pop up on various channels, including recently on Toonami last year. Which was yeah, nice. they, I think it was that, that one time they ran them, and, and that's been pretty much it so far, right? Yeah, for for um, Toonami and Adult Swim, at least. I mean, back in the Cartoon Network days, they they were a little bit more uh, willing to put those things on. But in years since then, 
they would pop up on like HBO and for a time they were on sci-fi. They were playing them on sci-fi channel. Oh boy. We will mention sci-fi channel a lot on this podcast. Yeah. And yeah, they, they, they actually still air those on uh, Teletoon uh, at, at night sometimes, um, mm. which is uh, kind of weird because tele Teletoon is now technically a youth only channel, even though it had always been an all ages channel since it, started back in 1997 uh, long before adult swim was a thing and uh it's kind of weird because they still they run them on both television and adult swim canada and uh and it's not just the dc ones they actually i believe actually ran that mortal combat uh, direct-to-video thing on teletoon as well mm. which um i mean that just proves that nobody cares about content on on youth broadcasters anymore. okay but <laughs> but which canadian channel aired batman versus teenage mutant ninja turtles i don't know probably i'm sure i'm sure it's come up somewhere but i uh, i don't have an answer i would it. think teletoon teletoon usually had the ninja Turtles. that seems like a teletoon thing but i digress so the reason why we bring up this press release is kind of hidden in there among other things was a mention that the Blade Runner Black Lotus anime co-production that is coming to Adult Swim at some point in the U.S. is apparently planned for fall in Canada. Yeah, surprising, but kind of not surprising. Uh, the thing you have to understand about Chorus is that they're very old-fashioned in a lot of ways. Uh, they don't have a streaming outlet. Uh, or a proper streaming outlet, anyway. Uh, they are they are very much focused on broadcast, and they will stay focused on it as long as they possibly can. Uh, so their their business model is putting all the focus on the fall and promoting stuff that's going to air in the fall as soon as possible, because fall is when ad rates they can get better ad rate um, sales. Makes sense. So I mean, I think that's that's kind of the same for U.S. television, but I think it seems that American television has kind of moved past that whole you know, putting all the emphasis on the fall lineup uh, like they did. Uh, Chorus is very much stuck in like the mid 2000s uh, <laughs> with that with that kind of approach. Uh, but so they want to you know get the word about out about that stuff early as early as possible in their um, in their upfronts. And uh, so that's why with in their courses recent upfront where they just uh, unveiled a whole slate of stuff for their specialty channels, uh, they dropped a whole lot of announcements for Adult Swim Canada that have not been confirmed by the U.S. version of Adult Swim yet. Uh, and it's not just uh, the Blade Runner show. They also confirmed a new season of Joe Para uh, and uh, a couple of other things as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's important to emphasize that this Adult Swim Canada channel, this didn't even exist the last time I was on the show. It actually, the last time I was on the show, Adult Swim, I think, was just a pathetic little block on... Cartoon Network Canada that barely had any content, and all the content was like from before 2008. Uh, the mm. new Adult Swim Canada, it is a 24-hour channel, and they simulcast most of the stuff that runs on sun at least Sunday night premieres on Adult Swim. Um, they don't get everything. Like we are not getting Tuca and Birdie right now, oh. uh, because the uh, actually mm. we're we're not really sure what the situation is with that. Uh, apparently the and that's not just a Canada problem. The situation with Tuca and Birdie is not really known anywhere outside of the U.S. right now. But it seems that Adult Swim did not, you know, fully get all the rights to it. Uh, mm. There's still some some lingering threads there. So 
I don't know what's going to happen to it. No one, no one really knows right now. We'll, uh, we'll see. But uh, yeah, we don't get Final Space because that's on Netflix. Got the rights to that before it became an Adult Swim thing. There's still some, some, some messy details. But anything that Adult Swim made from the ground up um, makes it onto the channel, and in most cases is broadcast day and date with the U.S. version. There's been some exceptions. Some things have been delayed. Um, but for, we have so far gotten everything that has aired um, on the U.S. station since that channel launched. Uh, so it's it, it's pretty good. I got to say it's about like 75% of the U.S. Adult Swim experience, which is extremely good for a Canadian channel that's, you know, basically making an imitation of an American channel. Um the uh, the scheduling is not is is not terrible. It, it's not as good as it was when it launched, but you know it's passable. They make some of their own cards, um, and they use some of the U.S. cards. And I can't the I can't really tell the U.S. cards from the Canadian cards a lot of the time, which means they're they're doing a good job. They're not always great, but you know they're not always great on the U.S. version of the station either. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I mean they they do a pretty good job of of kind of pulling off Adult Swim. I. Uh, which is great because, like, before they launched this channel, I always felt they didn't understand the brand. They do seem to understand the brand now. Uh, and I don't know if you guys knew or if this is mentioned on the show before, but Jason DeMarco did confirm a while back that their de- that Chorus's deal with Adult Swim included all co-productions, including the anime co-productions. So I think that we all kind of expected that... Um, that uh, Blade, Blade Runner Black Lotus would be on Adult Swim Canada and that the other co-productions would as well. Um, we just didn't know, you know, are they going to simulcast? Are they going to bury these shows away in an a obscure hour? Are they going to promote them at all? Uh, I was happy to see that um, they did indeed promote it and to the point where it got announced before <laughs> the, uh, the U.S. <laughs> broadcast did. Although I had to point out that fall 2021 could mean anything from September until December. When they, when they picked up Harley Quinn, uh, they announced it for like a fall debut that year, and it I think it showed up mid-December. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. But we're definitely not going to get it before the U.S. Like, it'll be it'll be at most day and date. Yeah. Anybody who has the inkling of the thought that, oh, it's going to air in Canada first, why would you think that? Yeah. I wouldn't be opposed, Sketch. I wouldn't be opposed. It keeps getting reported that way, but it's just because that's who broke the news first, which which is good because it's getting the word out that, hey, this is going to be on in Canada. So it's kind of odd that weeks later, they still haven't like talked about it in the U.S., though. Technically, there was a press release about Tuca and Birdie that mentioned both Fena, Pirate Princess and Blade Runner Black Lotus as airing later this year on Adult Swim. Yeah. So I guess they consider that good enough. <laughs> they they have been uh, uh, pretty consistent about holding their cards close with these shows. And I don't mean just these specific shows, but with new content and original content. And sometimes we, you know, they'll give us these, these tantalizing hints uh, uh, with like this season, you know, in fall or winter or sometime this year, later this year, and then literally two weeks before it airs, then they tell us. So uh, mm. I don't know if this is some kind of marketing strategy or just that's how it works in the entertainment world. But it's really frustrating as a, as a fan and a viewer to have that information broadcast that way. Yeah, it's sadly, it's, it's kind of just how the business really is 
Um, cause like I can at least say from my experience with, uh, new programming and things that, uh, the station I work at is acquired, we don't find out till like literally maybe the day of, uh, and that's just, you know, me being on the regular floor, not necessarily like behind the scenes working on it. So it's one of those things where it's like, I, I wonder when it comes to announcing these types of things, if they go too early, then they like lose some sort of type of deal depending on. Uh, if it was leaked or any of those kind of things. So I, I think Adult Swim just probably tries to play it a little faster just because, or not fast, tries to play it like, you know, try to keep it a little more secret just due to how uh, rabid the fan base can be sometimes and wanting to know the information. I wonder about that. And I, I also wonder because a, a, an example of a, a non-animated network, like something like NBC, when they show a new show, they will promote it for months ahead of time. Like I remember back in the day when the show Grimm was coming, like you, I saw I saw advertisements for that way, way in advance. And then every time they had a new season, it was way, way in advance. So, so I wonder if this is like an anime-specific tactic or network-specific tactic because I don't see with live-action shows when they have new programs – they definitely have a lot more promotion, which is uh, because if they didn't, I wouldn't even notice. You know, I think, oh, this is this is the normal. You you know, you know, vaguely until two weeks before. But the way Toonami and Adult Swim do it specifically doesn't really reflect like other what I would see in other live action uh, shows and networks. So that that's just my observation. No, no, that's a, that's a good one, know. too, actually. I, I, I see that, too, and I think part of it is because of maybe the source material that uh, live action can give compared to an anime. Uh, I look at it as an example with, like, Uzumaki, how we have so little to even give to promote it. Like, we got that one-minute thing, and you can tell why it's taking them, like, a super long time as an example. But then you could say, well, okay, well, sure, that one I can understand, but what about, you know, like, Fena when that's coming so early? It's like, yeah, that is weird that they don't tend to promote these things, uh, I guess, sooner, or at least, mm -hmm. like, something to kind of get out there. Because I do think, um, I feel, and Sketch, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, didn't Samurai Jack's fifth season get a ton? And like I say, that's different Jack considering did. that's not anime. So maybe it is something that has to do with the anime itself. I, I just know that for live action, like especially since like get... NBC has it, they can like they can they can kind of decide when they want to showcase it and try to build up the hype. Especially since they'll have a lot of that source material kind of like at the ready as compared to what an anime might have. The way it's generally worked for these uh, Adult Swim action properties is they announce it way ahead like two three years before it ever airs they drip feed information mm -hmm. as it gets closer they show off a decent amount of what it looks like and then maybe they start promoting it in earnest but yeah that mm. I don't I don't recall like a big campaign for Samurai Jack season five leading up to it airing. I recall maybe a month's worth of promotion. Maybe it, it could be just marketing and the higher ups, right? Um, yeah. Having uh, the budget enough to budget this out and getting the animation and getting these teasers out there and then the higher ups deciding, OK, where do we want to place it? And how do we want to trickle down? Because I, there could be working on the marketing side of tons of stuff from media to journalism to everything else. Sure. You have a constant, you know, stream of scheduling of 
putting things on here, what would get the most, you know, likes on based on social media, but then the eyes on it too. So it could be just as simple as marketing is waiting for them to hit that goal of whatever they want and then go from there and say, okay, let's bring it to the higher ups. We had this amount of, you know, information and you then the higher ups would make that decision. Hey, go for it. Or, hey, wait a minute. We have this going up. It there's a lot of tactics involved in that. And yeah. at times that can get very crazy and very messy. I would imagine that that the, the budget has something to do with it. But but be that as it may, you know, them needing to be strategic about about their budgeting marketing. I have I've been consistent in saying this, and I think probably I think Sketch might agree with me on this that that Adult Swim marketing is a lot to be desired. There's more that mm. I think that they could do. There's more I wish they would do. They make um, some banger promos, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, they 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 but they they promo to the people who are already watching. So mm. you know I I don't I I will I will keep saying this you know and and until. I get some expert explaining to me why they have it the way they are. I'm going to continue saying that, that I, I would, it would do them a lot better service, you know, going back to where this conversation started with the black Lotus uh, blade runner, you know, having them promote the info that so, so Canada is doing exactly what I'm suggesting that they do saying, okay, we're going to, we're, we're premiering this in fall you know, so that the Americans are like, wait, is Canada getting it first? Well, you're not giving them any information. So, you know, they they might jump to that conclusion and et cetera, et cetera. So, it does, so that's funny because I, I, I attribute this just to being chorus being so stingy and old fashioned with the way that they announce things. Uh, I've, all, mm-hmm. I've always perceived Adult Swim, you know, the way they play, they, the, the way they they hold their cards close to their, their chest to be, um, like really something that makes them unique as a network. And the fact that this kind of leaked from, well, not leaked, but the chorus broke the news first, just kind of shows that disconnect. How like the way Adult Swim does things is a little um, kind of, kind of off base with, uh, with how we see with, with mm-hmm. traditional broadcasting. Yep. I would agree. Yeah. N- and, not and- necessarily to its benefit in my opinion. And the thing is that it also creates a lot of questions that we're not going to get answers to for for a while. <laughs> like, what's going to happen with Fena in Canada? We have yeah. no idea right now. That's like, when is that debuting in the states? We like August, I guess. They still haven't even given the month yet. Yeah, they said summer. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. I I, uh, I no idea what's going to happen with that one up here. Yeah, um, and they still haven't played the Fooly Cooly sequels over there either yeah i mean if they're smart they'll uh they'll kind of launch that along with the other anime because they have they have the rights to it they have the rights to those fully coolie sequels in in canada but they don't have the original season one so they'd have to go to funimation for that which would complicate things because of course funimation would make them license other things along with um oh. with uh the first season of fully coolie that's how these mm. companies always, always play they want to they'll never give you one thing they have to you know, they want to throw a couple other things in. That's that's actually how a lot of blocks have developed in Canada um, over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm uh, yeah, I mean, right now, Adult Swim Canada, they they run the uh, the DC movies or the D animated movies on Saturday nights, along with Harley Quinn. And they actually 
are promoting that as kind of a, a little block right now. So I guess there kind of is a home for for action stuff on Saturday nights right now. So maybe they'll they'll fit the anime in in there. Um, I also wouldn't be surprised if they just hold Fena back until Blade Runner starts and they just run them at the same time because uh, you know just holding back summer premieres gives more ad revenue. So it would it would make sense. And mm-hmm. I guess there's a perception that. Blade Runner is has more brand recognition. Um, I, I guess it does still. <laughs> I think be, the it, other it, factor is that it is CGI. Yeah, apparently we uh, we still haven't seen what that's going to look like at all. But I, I feel like even to this day, a lot of networks are like, "Oh, we'll play something CGI animated." But keep keep those 2D shows away from us. Those yeah. Japanese 2D shows. Get them away. I, I don't know what the quality of, of Blade Runner Black Lotus is going to be. But, uh, I mean, if they think it's a tent pole they can use to promote other stuff, that'd be, you know, I'm, I'm down with that. Sure. I'll get behind it. Who knows? Maybe. Maybe. Here's hoping this fall, Toonami Canada finally exists. Well... I'm not getting my hopes up that much. <laughs> yeah. But hey, yeah, you never know. That Latin America block came out of freaking nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, now that we've touched on that and some other things, we should get into the topic at earnest. So before Toonami and before I had regular access to cable, uh, the anime on television game was all but completely kicked off by sci-fi's Saturday morning anime block, which they played uh, numerous anime movies edited to be safer for TV, like TV PG standard. And they also had a host who went on to be Ulala in Space Channel 5. She sure did. So that's, that's a fun... Bit of history there. Actually, before that, I I think before that, when there was that one night when Cartoon Network played three anime movies heavily edited that had previously aired on TNT and some other channels. The night of the vampire robots. That, that happened kind of around that time. I think it might have predated that sci-fi block. What year was the sci-fi block again? It started this is that I in always... 95. 95, yeah. I feel like, I know Cartoon Network like started, in, I think it was 93. So maybe that, maybe that was around the same time, actually. Oh, should have looked that up. Oh, well. <laughs> Doesn't really matter. But uh, it it wasn't until 1997 when, well, even before that, Cartoon Network tried out, like, Speed Racer. And, uh, yeah, yeah, Speed Racer. And they had their own version of Gachamon G-Force that was, boy, there is a story behind that whole production. And I'm, I'm, <laughs> we do not have time to get into it. But those things aired on Cartoon Network but then the action afternoon block got rebranded as Toonami and initially didn't air very much anime. It was really just Voltron 
and uh, eventually Robotech. And depending on who you ask, Thundercats is probably a Japanese American co-production of some sort. <laughs> it counts. The, the the newer one definitely counts, but I'm, I'm pretty sure the old one does too. But it wasn't until about 98 when Toonami got Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball Z that they suddenly were becoming an anime block. And along with that, Pokemon was doing really well in syndication over in Canada, Sailor Moon particularly, and also DBZ were doing very well on YTV. At, at this point, Sailor Moon, like the phenomenon had already declined uh, in Canada by the time Toonami started running it. I know it was it was in syndication markets um, in Canada, or sorry, in the U.S., uh, but it uh, you know it was really hard to find, and it was on USA Network for a little bit too. I understand. Yes, the Action yeah. Extreme theme, which <laughs> predates Tsunami. Yeah, no, in Canada we had like Sailor Moon stage shows and stuff that were going on. It was crazy, uh, oh but gosh. yeah. <laughs> and we we just had it in syndication, and then later on the USA Network, it aired. It aired with Sonic Saturday AM and Gargoyles. Wow. That's wild to think about. Gargoyles on a channel not owned by Disney. I didn't even think that was possible. Yeah. It's pretty pretty cool, though. It's too bad Gargoyles could never air on Toonami. <laughs> Instead, it had to settle for Toon Disney, which, which I uh, eventually got its own action block of sorts, but we're jumping ahead a bit. So... In the late 90s, early 2000s, success of Pokemon, success of Dragon Ball Z, Sailor Moon, it really kind of gotten all these other companies to think, maybe we should get in on this anime thing. And various other television networks started to think, Toonami's doing pretty well, maybe we should try that. Of course, to various levels of success and... Well, let's just say Toonami was lightning in a bottle and nobody ever quite got it right. <laughs> mm -hmm. But bless their hearts for trying, right? I mean, I it guess didn't... I guess it depends on what you think, right? Because in, in a sense, you could say, oh, yeah, they tried and it didn't work out. But I still think they were successful in their own right in their time. It's just things run A lot of them course. were. Yeah, I just think a lot of it, it just ran its course and... Uh, I think the only reason that we can even still talk about Toonami now is more about the nostalgia factor more than anything that's led to them being able to kind of be a mainstay on television now. So I, I don't know. It's it's just it seems so easy to dog like the the past uh, anime or any type of action cartoon blocks that were around during those, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. But I mean, you, you can look at the the history of how long that some of them were, were around. Pretty decent. Nothing to sneeze at, and I, I definitely would call them more success than a failure. Which yeah, I think four, I think a lot of people, which I think a lot of people tend to kind of equate the fact that well, it's not around now, must have failed. It's like not necessarily. Let's, no. let's not get let's Most not get crazy don't here. Last that long. Exactly. Like tsunami's kind a of like of the rare rarity of these things. Longer than I thought they did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of the things that I would observe is is the trend. You, you know, starting with the the sci-fi Saturday anime, and and I it, this was actually 
interesting to do the research for this because it was a totally a trip down memory lane. I had to watch bumpers to sort of refresh my memory about some of these shows because it it was like, oh, wow, this is this is 10, 15, 20 years ago. You know, what was I doing then? And so I vaguely remember seeing um, the imagery of Record of Lodos War on Saturday anime. I don't know if it ever finished its run, but I remember that on sci-fi. But then like, the, the other shows like the uh, G4 Tech TV, Jetix and, and Toonzai, for example, um, that the, the blocks really kind of popped up in the, the early 2000s. So you think about, you know, this this classic uh, uh, Toonami fandom, you know, what age group they were. I, I, I think of that as sort of hitting that that right mark of the age group of of. Um, young teens and and kids looking for um, action animation and these blocks filling that niche. And they had like these four or five year runs, but, you know, they were shows like Digimon and like different types of action animation and uh, things that they pulled from different from Japan and such. Um, but but I will I will say and 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 I I don't I can't speak authoritatively about why they died off when they did and and you think of the later 2000s but it struck me that um the people who watched them might have been the same group that started and the shows didn't really age with them but that maybe the fans aged out mm. of a lot of these shows and so um, you can see sort of sometimes efforts to bring in more mature content, like I think Gungrave on Anime Unleashed and G4 Tech TV. Like that's pretty that's pretty mature. But um, I wonder if if part of that trend of of where you know they they didn't last past a certain time was that they they were sort of stuck in the in the types of shows they were showing and their audience was was growing up. That's certainly part of it. I do know that a lot of it had to do with how TV regulations were also changing. Um, one thing that uh, I don't think gets enough, uh, I don't think it's talked about enough is how you had like very successful Saturday morning cartoon blocks, such as, you know, what was on Kids WB, for example, Fox Kids, and, and the, the more goes down the line. When a lot of more regulation was kind of coming in to make sure that uh, mm -hmm. programming that uh, was being, you know, marketed to children or at least a young audience had some sort of educational value. And what happened was what a lot of like stations do is that they put a lot of their educational and I put my air quotes in there and they dump it in like certain areas where they're like, yeah, you know, we are putting the amount of time that, you know, you guys say we have to have for education. And mm -hmm. what happened was a lot of uh, these uh, Saturday morning cartoons uh, ended up being on the chopping block because a, Things were changing. B, uh, the interest definitely was dying down after, you know, the whole craze in a sense of like, oh, we have to get this anime. See how popular it's doing with, you know, this station and this station. And then uh, I think because of how much more expensive it is to license it compared to just, you know, getting quote unquote educational public access kind of things. It's it's just so much cheaper. So they're probably thinking, ah, oh, we got to we might we had to cut costs there. And it stinks. I don't like it because I, I certainly enjoyed uh waking up and doing early morning shifts <laughs> on weekends when i was like first starting out and i'm like oh i get to kind of check this you know young or you know this like little action block kind of thing but it's just uh it, it was more so with like regulations too i i think what i find the most interesting is what stopped uh 
you know, certain uh, channels and other places to do it before these types of regulations were coming in. Uh, and I, I wish I looked up a date because I wasn't quite sure uh, this co- the conversation would kind of flow to this side of it as well. But there's a certain date, and I want to say it was around like 2014, 2015 maybe, when a lot of this was kind of being heavily like, yeah, you got to start doing this or you guys are going to get in like some trouble <laughs> or whatnot. So it's certainly something to look in. But I, I so for like the later ha- or like, you know, towards the end of the craze, it's definitely more attributed to that. But I am curious on especially what everyone here has to say when it comes to what made certain places stop you know like kids wb which was you know what i grew up on really before i was able to get to nami cartoon network was like my bread and butter when it came to uh action cartoons whether they be from the west or anime and i'm curious on what made them stop i mean because obviously i i don't know <laughs> like I, I wasn't working there or anything along those lines so it's definitely I remember something wb changing to the cw that that probably played with it too because i know for a while they still did keep like a like a shell of it for like i don't even know like maybe like two months after that whole changeover mm-hmm. too but uh in a shell that was a coffin it, pretty much yeah so it's it's one of those things where i'm curious on what made like those uh type of blocks kind of end and i it's so i wish i could pull this up like off the top of my head but i even remember watching recently a history of jet x which i'm like man this is so cool this is so cool like looking that up and like that would probably be able to help me piece together the type of answers i'm kind of looking forward to to at least help you and potentially uh other listeners too because all i can really say is like towards the end it was more so about uh different regulations that uh were going in because before the marketing that these cartoon blocks were kind of getting away with was ridiculous absolutely 100 yeah. ridiculous with what they could uh put on the air uh when it comes to stuff that's unhealthy uh type of products um whether it be like toys or consumables like it was the wild west and it was like as much as i can joke and say god damn why couldn't you just like you know do something to like keep these things around there needed to be something done because the things that they were promoting to kids was like really bad <laughs> really really bad <laughs> I mean, but were they worse than lawn darts? I mean, you make a valid counter argument to that sketch. <laughs> that's a pretty, pretty, I mean, that's kind of like a, a game over type of, I have no defense to this. <laughs> Look, I, I think it's good that they stopped promoting the toys for a particular show within the shows or, you know, during the show's breaks or you know, sugary cereals, all that kind of stuff. That's that's all good that they stopped doing that. But yeah, without a doubt, uh, focus on educational programming and various regulations involving violence and such really killed Saturday mornings, even more so than the just the rise of cable. And, you know, now cable is dealing with the same thing when it comes to streaming. So, yeah. you know. But it's really there's sad. All, there's like, always somebody bitch. higher on the food chain. Right? Yeah, and it's just I would have loved to have like, God, I wish I was like the age I am now to like back then to kind of see how the economy of it worked. And I don't necessarily mean the actual economics, but just like the economy of building these action cartoon blocks, and then what kind of made it so where the uh, reward wasn't as high as the risk. You know, because, like, you can look up the type of influence that, like, not only just Dragon Ball Z and Sailor Moon, but how about card captors? Like, that was monster with WB, and they butchered the fuck out of that thing, you know? Totally. So it's one of those things where I'm, like, I'm really curious just because 
there were some really, really good success stories out there. Uh, I feel more maligned with like Fox Kids as an example. Like I, I, I would call them a success, obviously, but I feel like there was a lot of kind of like weird choices that they made. Where I'm like, what, what's going on here, right? Whereas like kids, the kids WB, I felt kind of had more of a vision of like how they wanted to entertain, especially considering the acquisitions I got with like Pokemon and Yu Gi Oh. Like they, they, they definitely knew what would be big on that on that front. Yeah. So it's definitely something that I find interesting, and I, I don't think it's just uh, like Kuro that is like so i wonder why because i'm i'm right there with her i have no freaking clue because for me you know as a young kid watching these things i would have thought that they would have been just as good as toonami like what made toonami the one that kind of sticks more than everyone else i would you know i could probably point out with the uh not necessarily marketing that they do but how they kept anime kind of in people's minds with their uh promotions because i didn't feel that the only the only time I really felt I saw promotions for these other blocks was when the block was actually airing itself. So it was either you knew or you knew someone who did know to then be able to check these things out. When uh, with Toonami, I felt like I was seeing like weird bumps and stuff of their of theirs like during any any time Cartoon Network was on. And I, I'm not saying that's like a fact or anything else. It's just I think that's where I kind of like look at. Well, why didn't they try that, or why didn't they do something along those lines? I know no one really likes like copycats and whatnot, but there comes a point where it's like, yo, this is working for one. Like maybe if you tried to do something a little similar, that it would work just as well. I don't know. You know, it's I, something I think to look at. You're onto something, and it made me think perhaps acquiring content from overseas uh, became more challenging during the late 2000s, uh, late, late uh, um, first half of the millennia, first uh, decade of the millennia. So so you see even now with like Toonami, there's a whole process involved, like, because these are all imported. Well, like, most of them are imported shows, except for the occasional original show. So, so they were doing a mix of these um, Japanese imported shows, which is what their appeal was. And at some point it, I, it, because when I look at the dates in my notes, you know, 2002 to 2006 and G4, Jetix is 2004 to 2009 and Guzi in 2004 and Toonzai 2008, like the time frames, it, it, there's a, dis, there's a very distinct, uh, drop off in when they, when they stop programming. And I, I wonder like, okay, so what was it? what was the cost of bringing in these shows from Japan? There's that a factor. And, and were oh, they, these, these networks, were these networks just in this phase where they only wanted to have original us content? Did they not want to pay for it? Did they not want to broadcast it? You they know? probably didn't mind paying for it until it started getting more and more expensive. I, I, I yeah. cause like when you, I think when I look at like the, the pre like not previous times, but just earlier renditions of these action cartoon blocks that had anime, they, they seem to be pretty interested in, in grabbing it. You know, I can, I can like rattle off, like, as I was saying, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, Cardcaptors, Monster Rancher, uh, you name it, you know, like. Digimon. Digimon. Oh, uh-huh. my God. I love it. So I, I have a feeling like. Digital monsters. They did really, they didn't mind it, but I think prices uh, of acquiring these things started to go up more. And maybe there was also, you know kind of like lost in translation of like how the deals were supposed to go where maybe something didn't pan out uh the way that the original creators or licensors wanted that you know because i i will say this i i think adult swim really nurtures and cares about the products that they acquire yeah and i think that plays a part into why maybe more licensors would want to work with you know 
Toonami, Cartoon Network, Adult Swim Now kind of thing. So that might play an effect too. Uh, and I'm not saying I know that as a fact. Uh, it's just, you know, kind of just thinking about it, you know, looking at it. Because a lot of the probably biggest, quote unquote, biggest animes that have been on American television, they really weren't on Toonami. Pokemon. I yeah. know that well, more for Kids WB. Uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! I know that from Kids WB, despite the fact that some of their properties have been on the block before, right? Well, the thing that I think has been, you've kind of downplayed, I, or Pokemon is the title I think that you've kind of downplayed so far, um, <laughs> because I think that the success of Pokemon, regardless of what network it was on, I mean, it was on, most people saw it in syndication, I think uh, before it was even on Kids WB. I don't know the exact broadcast history of it. No, in, I in think the US. you're right. You're right. Uh, Cause it was on like random stations, like throughout the country, I think. Cause I remember, I think Pokemon being on my local station of like UPN, which is yeah. defunct. But yeah. the ex- explosive success of Pokemon in like 1998 was the catalyst for so much anime popping up on all these other channels. And it, yeah. cre- and like there was this time frame when, they would just they, they would just go at it to get anything they could on the air to capitalize on the interest in anime that was coming off of Pokemon. And Toonami was the block that was able to get away with unbelievable things because of that. Um, that's that sort of permission to grab what you can and put it on the air. I, I think Toonami seemed to, that weekday Toonami seemed to be this perfect storm of trying to capitalize on the rising popularity of anime from Pokemon specifically and just kind of a general lack of oversight and specific people working on that block who wanted to give exposure to, to anime in general, but more specifically the type of anime that wasn't airing on TV at that point. And that's another thing I think really needs to be emphasized about Toonami itself is that they, what really, I mean, I'll admit, I never, I have never once in my life even seen the weekday version of Toonami. I've seen, like, I've seen a little bit of, of other versions of Toonami. Uh, I should also point out that we've never had Toonami in any way, shape, or form in Canada. We are actually the only English-speaking market that has never had Toonami. So forgive me if my um, sort of perception of it is a little off. No, 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 the, yeah, the, no, I find this the, interesting. The defining thing of Toonami is that they picked up content that, like, unimaginable for another kid targeted weekday mm. afternoon block to up. you nailed it. Like, nailed it yeah like you and, nailed it. You know, it's funny when i talk to to people and 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 like they talk about what they feel the equivalent to toonami was in canada they don't always say bionics which i think is what i'm, I'm mainly you guys mainly brought me on to talk about like they mentioned the zone which is the after school block on ytv mm-hmm. uh which uh started just a yeah, you know, I think 1989 or 1990, and it's still persisting to this day, and it's always being reinvented. And there's not a really a lot of consistency in what defines that block. It's just you know whatever stuff is on Nick or Cartoon Network or, um, or I think even now Disney Channel that they think is going to be popular with with kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I find it weird because they they you know they ran Dragon Ball Z, they ran Sailor Moon, they ran Pokemon, they ran Digimon on the Zone, and because of that, a lot of people feel it was the equivalent to Toonami in Canada, but that just really underlines what made Toonami unique and kind of what we didn't mm. get in Canada. Because they, on the Zone, they tried they they YTV was looking into picking up Gundam Wing around the same time that Toonami did, 
but they didn't have faith in it or they were very hesitant to run it because it was very different from other localized anime you were seeing on TV at the time. And let me I tell mean, you, that, they were I mean, smart because I had to rewatch that. And woof, 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 woof. I, <laughs> I, I topics I mean, in there. <laughs> um, well, I see the thing. The thing is that they they didn't feel it fit in, and what they did was they ran like they did. They did, they did this test run of Gundam Wing on on YTV of uh, just three episodes on the Zone. Uh, and they didn't wind up running it on that block at all. They wound up delaying it to the fall, and they ran it late at night. And it was only the censored version, not With, the uncut version. Which, actually, that kind of makes me think, too, where it's like... <laughs> Toonami was kind of like that as well, because while they did take, I would say, chances on shows, it was like, hey, you know, we'll get this, because, like you were saying, Gundam Wing or Outlaw Star, they were putting that at midnight, though. It wasn't really their their afternoon the bread and butter type of lineups while they oh, did I mean, take Gundam Wing was on uh, uh, Gundam Wing wasn't Outlaw Star was was in the afternoon and Outlaw block. Star and yeah. Diego, they were Tenchi they were all in no the Tenchi I don't remember six. Outlaw Star actually I thought that was only school. I thought that was only on the midnight run right no. oh. they all aired on the only shows that were exclusive to the midnight run were um, uh, War in the Pocket Gundam 0080 and uh, 08 the Mass Team premiered on the Midnight Run, but it eventually aired on weekdays. But they did run a less censored, aka uncut version of Gundam Wing at midnight. But they did have a uh, one for afternoon broadcast, which still got away with a lot. Mm. Yeah. yeah, particularly I don't, I don't guns. Those. My gosh. <laughs> oh, yeah, the pre nine eleven world with uh, <laughs> with guns on uh, on on children's television blocks. Um, absolutely wild. Uh, but yeah, they see, that was like, that was kind of like a divergence point because Teletoon went all in on something like Gundam wing. And that was something that no other kids block would ever touch, at least not in the, in, in that form that they took it in. And that led them to getting Tenchi and big O and blue submarine number six and outlaw star and all those things that, Never in a million years yes, it's crazy before, during, or later you would ever expect to be on a kid's block. And they and they did it, and they exposed it to so many people, uh, something that they otherwise never would have found. And, and like, we never had that equivalent in Canada at all during that, you know, peak Pokemon period. Um, and, and you, you know, it, it, it seems less relevant now because so many people who – are in anime fandom now like a, a lot of them were too young to watch tv when when toonami and that stuff was around some mm-hmm. some of them were not even alive at the point when toonami was running um but i mean the fact is that especially for people who are in like you know late 20s in their 30s or even uh, even in their 40s um like there's still a, a huge part of the especially like home video buying market for anime which is still very significant and the companies like Funimation and and friends, um, they you know the, now they're now promote, promoting things like Tenchi Muyo and The Big O and Outlaw Star as like nostalgia titles um, for North America in North America, and they're like that that's how those those titles are being being pushed. And Yu Yu Hakusho never aired in Canada, um, but these shows like we never got them in Canada, and they're not really accounting for that <laughs> with the way they market them. So that's creating a kind of a weird disconnect to this day i find mm. that kind of exposes how they don't do market research 
really outside <laughs> of the U.S. properly. Um, and we're going to see, I think we're going to see a, a lot of um, a lot of things like that playing out as Funimation expands to uh, to more regions around the world that they don't really uh, take proper consideration for. Uh, I got I got to say, I watched that little trailer Funimation launched for um, you, their hostile takeover of Anime Lab in uh, in Australia. That. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. That seemed really condescending to uh, to the audience. Uh, <laughs> Did a bit. Yeah. Um, it's like look at all these Attack on Titan scenes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean that's that's what sets Toonami apart. That's what other blocks didn't capture. That's what didn't happen in other countries. Was that extension from Pokemon to more localized titles to just the stuff that otherwise never would have came on tv the stuff that was not um mm-hmm. as as changed and or safe i think i think the word yeah. might be safe more so just because it does it, something that i think gets lost for a lot of people is that when it comes to like acquiring programming and i wouldn't say i would know this for more of uh, kid centric just because a i don't have kids or i don't really kind of look at what the demo for like the best kid shows are all as you can think of as teen titans go and spongebob uh i, I think they kind of would rather s- back and not necessarily tsunami obviously but other uh places were kind of like well we don't necessarily want to go that route because we are already dealing with a younger audience and we don't want to piss them off like sketch you can tell me about all the hit pieces tsunami got for the cartoons that they were showing to kids right i know that famous <laughs> i know that Wall famous Street dragon Journal. ball z yeah that a famous huge cartoon hit Yep, I remember. So and I spun that like it was good. It was amazing. Right. So I have a feeling good that stuff. I have a feeling that that fear had to have played a major factor for it, especially considering well, how we look at nowadays, like with all the types of regulations that are around for these types I, of demos. I, I don't know. There, I I do want to get to this topic that uh, at least some of these blocks were fairly ambitious in what they were going to try to get. So going back to the 2000s, mm-hmm. Fox Family, along with uh, Fox Kids, you know, Fox Kids was airing Digimon. They were airing uh, some other anime, and they were around the time that they were going to start playing Flint the Time Detective. Uh, mm-hmm. They were going after Escaflone, mm. Slayers, Detective Conan, and I found this... Yeah. I found this really old uh, press release from uh, Fox Family talking about how they were going to air Detective Conan and Flint the Time Detective on uh, Made in Japan on uh, Fox Family. It was a Sunday morning block, which usually consisted of Digimon, the 90s Mega Man cartoon, and uh, other things Saban owned. Saban was real big on bringing... Japanese content over ever since Power Rangers was a hit for them. Oh, before so, that, they, yeah. uh, so, so, Saban started an anime. <laughs> yeah, true, yeah. true. <laughs> in uh, in France, right? Yeah, right. So, yeah, the Made yeah. in Japan and Anime Invasion uh, brand was definitely what made that um, Fox Kids lineup so attractive, and and that you you get something different. Um, and that I, I, this is, this is hard though, remembering some of these shows because I've watched some of them since as an adult and, and am I, am I remembering watching these as an adult or am I remembering watching these as a kid, you know? So I, I'm, I'm really struggling with knowing like, what is my made up history at this stage? 
but I do, <laughs> I do feel like there's a part of me that feels like that, that when I, I was looking at some bumpers and press releases, I was like, this feels familiar to me. This feels like this whole anime invasion. And I went through this phase as a kid where like, I would watch these and like not tell anyone because I, I didn't know, I didn't know how xenophobic my friends might be. That's my word, not the word I would have used as a child. And it, but like, I, I so they I don't I kept, like Japanese cartoons. <laughs> exactly. So I, but I remember, I remember feeling like these had something different and new in that sort of that, that, 90s style of animation where you have those sharp angles and those really bright mm. colors and and the loud shouting and and you know and I, I that was just so appealing and I I did I I liked the 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 quote unquote anime invasion I think that's what they called it the made in Japan uh, when they were expanding it and adding more series so yes I don't made remember. in Japan oh. was was on Fox Family Sunday mornings and then on Fox Kids mm-hmm. kind of in the height of Digimon they made a Friday afternoon block in their usual afternoon block time Uh called Anime Invasion. And both of these blocks uh, focused a lot on Japanese imports. Like I said, they played Escaflone there ever so briefly. Uh Uh, (laughs) They played Flint the Time Detective, Moncoli Nights, Digimon, of course. And, These are all uh, banger shows too. Yeah. I love those Monster when I was a kid. Monster Rancher. I loved yeah, Monster, Monster Rancher. Rancher. Loved it. Over on Fox Family, the Made in Japan block also had segments like, "Here's what's hip in Japan." So some of these blocks like to be like, "Japan is interesting." Here's why. <laughs> yeah, they did bumpers with like a little, you know, trivia things and pop culture references. Like, here's what's going on there, so you could feel like you would learn something yeah. about Japan. I, I feel like the intention wasn't bad, but it still kind of felt condescending. It, it feels today like it aged a little trite, but at oh, the yeah, time, sure. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, at the time, it didn't occur to me. Thinking back, it it does seem a little trite. <laughs> Sketch, did they play um, Dragon Ball Z on that animation block? Or am uh, I remembering no. it wrong? No, Dragon Ball Z before it aired on Toonami was really just in syndication. So you might have seen mm-hmm. it on like UPN. Yeah. And what's funny but, enough, the station I work at now used to air it for the Boston market. Uh, that's great. I know. I, I, found I, that out. I, I remember lost... when, when DBZ was in syndication, this was on Saban's like syndication block with Samurai Pizza Cats. And you had like the guy who was the police chief on Power Rangers as the announcer guy. And he's like, now back to Samurai Pizza Cats. <laughs> and I don't know. I, I, I do look back to it, like the presentation of some, like obviously the three that I kind of revolved to the most was like Fox Kids, JetX, and Kids WB. I didn't mind the presentation. You know, like I, it wasn't necessarily something that have aged as great as obviously we would have liked, but it certainly fit the kind of market that it was in at the time. And it like, well, yeah, like you were saying, were it didn't go for kids. Right. And it just, I don't know. There's something about it. Maybe they did need to take more chances, even though they might've been afraid to, and they just didn't want to spend the money considering what could have happened if things went wrong. And Man. like, it's just, I don't know. It's one of those weird things. Cause like you can look up a ton of just weird ass shows that have been on 
uh, these things that you're just like, wait, why? It's just a sketch of uh, or a sketch of... dinosaurs. Well, that's one. I think the one that really <laughs> blows me away is Cubics. What the heck, man? What is oh, that? No, that that's Don't get even... me started on that. That that show is trash. Hey, I mean, for the first season. Hey, 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 hey. Cubics is all right. It's just funky. It, it, it's good once you watch like the first thing. I the feel first like that time... was a Korean show, actually. It, it might was. have been it was yeah. South Korean. Yeah. Uh, South Korean show aired, uh, I believe, the first time on Kids WB. Kids WB. Yeah. Eventually, yep. it and it then it on just the kept Fox, uh, on you the know, Fox box, and it just kept going after there. And it's like, you know, the first time you see it, it's like, okay, I get it. It's Had some cool. longevity, but not as much as Sonic X. I oh, love Sonic that. X. <laughs> Sonic X aired on Saturday mornings in some form in the U.S. for like a decade. Yeah, oh, yeah. and it's it's just one of those weird things where like. You can look back and like find these weird shows, and you're just like, it. it it's like, it's kind of like how when Toonami finds a hidden gem, right? Where you kind of look at this and you're just like, what in the world? How did we get here? And then you're like, okay, I can roll with this. And it's just, it's, it's weird because again, as we we're saying, there's only one that kind of remained. And even though Toonami did go away for four years, it came back. But still, it's just, it's one of those things where I wonder if. Other, you know, places tried to kind of bring back nostalgia and not necessarily bring out back these old shows. I'm not going to I'm not going to mince words. I will not be rushing back to any channel that brings back Monster Monster Rancher. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to. That's true. I'm not going to. I mean, I would for Metabots. That's, well, that's buy it from Discotech. Mm, I mean, Metabots might be the only thing I'll run back to if it shows up on something Metabots. else. But it's one of those things where. Toonami at least had type of legacy shows where you would go back to, right? You would go back to Sailor Moon. You would go back to a Dragon Ball Z. You would go back to some of the, I guess, more newer compared to what I'm saying now, like a Bleach, uh, a Tenchi series. You know, like they have something. Don't go back to a Tenchi series. Don't listen to Sketch. Tenchi series are fine. <laughs> they're fine. Everything's fine. But it's... Not after Universe, they're not. <laughs> it's one of the things where at least, uh, and it's more aligned to what Kuro had to say, where there's these legacy shows that don't necessarily feel like it's solely for children anymore, right? So it's kind of one of those things where you look at a lot of the former programming for the other shows. I think the only one that might have that kind of thing is obviously Pokemon and Digimon themselves, but uh, we obviously we obviously know what happened with at least Pokemon with that being, I think, Netflix? If I'm... Well, now it's, now it's on Netflix. Yeah, I mean, bef- Pokemon was on Cartoon Network. Everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Pokemon was in syndication. It was on Kids WB. It was on Cartoon Network. It was on Disney. <laughs> and now it's on Netflix. <laughs> right. But you it's know, just one of those things where... Wasn't ever on Nickelodeon. That's kind of odd. But... No, it's just one of those things where we have some type of tangible thing that we can go fall back on more so than, say, what these other places did. Yeah. Well, that's that's true. You can't say that about Yu-Gi-Oh. I mean, it for that series that still kind of going. It, it is, but it's like, yeah, that's mainly what it was. It was it was Yu-Gi-Oh was big, and then it waned a bit, and then it went back up, and then once they introduced kids to the series, you know, and then it's like you can't find it, even the newer series now. It's on what the newer series. Um, V Reigns is on uh, Pluto TV, which is like I stumbled upon it one day. It's like, how? 
Hey, free, like, free streaming, but streaming nonetheless. The, yeah. the big issue is if they just didn't leave the old cast, man. If we just kept yeah. with Yami and hearing hearing Merrick well, say I shuffle mean, people, well, Pharaoh. <laughs> people make their jokes about how Pokemon keeps rebooting itself, but hey, it works. It worked. It worked. You know. It's still it's still going, baby, and it shows no signs of stopping. So there's that. But yeah, a lot of these blocks, it, particularly in the early 2000s, they were on Saturday mornings, uh, weekday afternoons on network television. So they obviously couldn't get away with what Toonami was trying to do, particularly when Kids WB was like, hey, Toonami works. Why don't we try that? Exactly. <laughs> and the yeah. less said about it, the better. But yeah. I, I, I don't think it was a terrible idea, at least at first. Was they that when they aired World of, of West, or was that on um, Toonzai or something else? No, uh, there was uh, World of Quest was just regular Saturday morning programming for okay. SWB. Yeah, that was late. That stuck in my brain. I remember. I remember World of Quest. Um, yeah, but, that would have been two thousand eight. That's way later. This is the U.S.'s look at a tsunami without Tom voiceover without real good promos or any of that stuff. Just mm-hmm. kind of some of the wraparounds and none of the tone. Yeah. And even so, it still started out kind of okay. They they tr- they did like a limited run of DBZ, a limited run of Sailor Moon. That was nice. Mm-hmm. They had plenty of action shows. They had the X-Men Evolution. They had Batman Beyond. They had other DC shows. They had Pokemon. So it was fine. And then they put Scooby-Doo on it. <laughs> and that makes sense. <laughs> and then they Just, had their special week uh, weekend uh, Friday block, which was all comedies. So Generation O aired on Toonami. Never forget it. <laughs> no, nothing, nothing tarnishes Toonami's legacy more than Kids WB Toonami, except yeah. maybe Toonami UK. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not here to talk about that. Uh, yeah. So. As other Saturday morning blocks were kind of fading out or getting bought out or having to be replaced by syndicated programming that was mostly educational, uh, we had four kids coming along being like, we're going to do the Saturday morning block thing. And they had the Fox box, which had a whole lot of anime, Kirby right back at you, fighting food on. Oh, I forgot about those. Oh, -hmm. God. Ultimate Muscle is a banger. I love that show. I irrationally love that show. I need it rescued now. I appreciate that they actually managed to get a second season of that made. Yes. <laughs> so good on you for that, four kids. Good on that. Good on Ninja Turtles. And uh, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for introducing uh, parts of the world to Funky Cops. Now that's a hidden gem. Mm-hmm. But uh, G- wasn't you didn't Joe mention One Piece? On <laughs> I'm not. I'm getting there. I'm we don't talk there. about bad franchises here. Hey, they <laughs> also had Sonic X too. Huh? Yeah, that's, that's everything at Sonic X. Well, yeah. it's it started there. So Sonic X, uh, they had a GI Joe show, which was done by oh gosh, what was it? Uh, oh, what was the name of that studio? They did Samurai Seven. Hasbro? No, no, I'm the, the Japanese studio. <laughs> oh, it's like that's they, a they did show Samurai comes. Seven. Did a lot of mecha shows. Gosh, why can't I remember? 
the name of that anime production company. I'm looking it up, Sketch. <sighs> please, please do, because I'm totally blanking. Gonzo. That's it, Gonzo. Yep, there it is. Wow, yeah. Yeah, so Gonzo made a G.I. Joe anime and four kids adapted it to... Uh, mm. Didn't turn the out voices so were not the best. I mean, Cobra Commander was not the best. Their F Zero show also not so great. Didn't last long. And they they had some other stuff, of course. But a big part of their catalog was basically looking at U.S. Shonen Jump and going, "Yeah, we could try that." U.S. Shonen Jump, of course, launched with DBZ, Yu Gi Oh, One Piece, Naruto, Shaman King. So they get Shaman King, which turned out not absolutely terrible. And then they got One Piece and gross, (laughs) real bad, real bad. If you want a deep dive of One Piece, you should totally get on the One Piece podcast Patreon and listen to Steve Yurko and his buddy talk about the One Piece four kids dub in their forced to watch One Piece for forced to watch four kids. That's that's what it's called. It's a it's a lovely additional podcast segment that has been very fun to listen to. So I wanted to promote that. But uh, then that became after it was the Fox Box with oh gosh that thing that was the host sort of. <laughs> I should not be. <laughs> uh, if anybody's if anybody remembers that old lovely. Uh, Fox box short with the, yeah. I can't remember what it was actually called, but it focused a lot on One Piece. But anyway, then it became Four Kids TV, which is not nearly as catchy, but I guess a bit more flexible. And then they took over Kids WB's time and made CW Four Kids when that became the CW, but not right as it became the CW. Like, Kids WB existed on CW, which was when C, uh, War- WB and UPN combined into one network for reasons. And that still had Kids WB. That's where the first season of Spectacular Spider-Man aired. Mm-hmm. Love that show. That it's show's underrated. Great. It's amazing. I don't know if it's, it's underrated. Uh, it's, 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 it's real freaking good, though. <laughs> It's uh, it's reputation has uh, definitely grown over the last decade, and uh, that's that's good to see. Uh, Probably I wish because all the other Spider-Man shows since have been not good. Yeah, <laughs> Does, doesn't helps. help. Yep. <laughs> doesn't. <Yep. laughs> what well, helps spectacular Spider-Man's uh, legacy? So yeah, for sure, it totally does. It's, it's so so good, and you can watch it on. I think the only place you can stream it is Crackle. <laughs> uh, I think it's actually not on Crackle anymore in the U.S. from what I understand. If you're outside of the U.S., it's on Netflix basically everywhere. Uh, get except get the that US. VPN, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe with that Sony movie deal, it eventually air on Disney+. Plus. I don't know. I don't know. It, that's, that's a whole other topic. But yeah, 4Kids was really trying to maintain the, the churn of Japanese anime on U.S. television holding on for dear life but even beyond them after they finally gave up the ghost believe it or not one of the people who started this whole anime invasion 
got back into the game when Saban took over that time slot and made their vortex block. And somehow or other, <laughs> Saban got their hands back on Dragon Ball Z in the form of DBZ Kai. <laughs> I thought that uh, Toonzai came before it did. It did. Vortex. It did. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that was another rebrand. I totally because they had that. they had Kai. Mm-hmm. I seen they got never. Kai. And they and then the show that I had no business watching at my at the age I was watching it called Huntick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was cheesy, but I liked it. Damn it! Yeah, <laughs> so uh, but yeah, like it was like the all, right before it changed to Vortex. I remember Toonzai. It was like the combination of Banzai, so it was meant to keep that sort of theme. And and yeah. then and then we went into to Vortex, which was went until ran until like 2014. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that mm-hmm. must have been the last one that I saw. Yeah, it was familiar. the yeah. very last standing yeah. syndicated Saturday. Well, not syndicated. Very last standing network Saturday morning block that wasn't just educational programming. Yeah. So bless you, Saban. In the times that that was on, they actually aired for the first time on network television. The likes of uh, Justice League Unlimited. This, oh uh, wow! That, that, Tran- that Transformers yeah. Prime, which was exclusive to the Hub, mm-hmm. and they played all of the spectacular Spider-Man. Good on them. Yep. Mm-hmm. Along with they, they played uh, the second season of Kai from the end of the Frieza saga to the end of the Cell games, which never played before that all the time with tunes i even though nicktoons had already played all of it because nicktoons oh boy they went big into dbz kai in uh 2010 they got big into dbz kai they were playing it relentlessly they were throwing some movies in weren't they they did play some of the old dbz movies and eventually they played gt yeah, complete that, with the dub score. The yeah. best Dragon Ball series ever. Thank That's you. nostalgic for you. Mm-hmm. Though, oddly enough, that didn't really spawn into, like, them airing a bunch more anime. They did They did get Digimon not too long after, after it had shifted hands multiple times. But, like, they were kind of content with just Avatar and DBZ Kai for action though they did have those marvel shows before then and they sprinkled in the 2003 ninja turtles every now and then yeah. until their uh 2012 show kicked off great they show had Yu-Gi-Oh for that's bit. right they did have Yu-Gi-Oh for a bit it was what was it Yu-Gi-Oh zexel i think yeah so there was a time when people thought maybe nicktoons was going to get a bunch more anime like become the next jetx we didn't really talk about Jetix yet, have we? Yeah, let's talk about Jetix. <laughs> Jetix was an interesting thing as Disney acquired Fox Family Communications. And this was more of an international deal, even. And there are a lot of Fox Family networks around the world. So when they acquired that and they acquired the Saban Library, they, uh, they reformatted it to ABC Family from Fox Family, and not too long after they introduced the JetX block, which was kind of the evolution of Made in Japan, but not really anime-focused so much as extreme and action and sports. and yeah. It was the stuff that they couldn't air on Toon Disney because of the, probably the demographic. 
They had well, um they that was like heavily syndicated too because I remember traveling at the time back and forth to my grandparents' house in in Colorado and seeing you know different different shows airing there than I did where we lived in the East Coast. But they had like they had like Batman sometimes and then um, yes you know Spider Man X Men. I remember Beyblade at some point was yep. on there and um um. I was a huge fan of gargoyles. It was always hard to track down gargoyles because it seemed to be like a moving target. But I remember it being uh, on one of the syndicated JetX shows for a little while, and I was like eating that ravenously up, you know, whenever I could find it. But but yeah, I I, I JetX and Witch, the show Witch, W I T C H, that's like a blast from the past. Yeah, it's another Greg Wiseman show along with Spectacular Spider Man and Gargoyles. Mm. Later went on to do Young Justice. All very good shows. He makes good stuff. Uh, so Jetix, Jetix was like a virus that infected Toon Disney <laughs> and slowly but surely ate it alive. Mm-hmm. It started as just a block on ABC Family and like a small block on Toon Disney, which was... Disney Channel's dumping ground, plus the place where they put all their old cartoons from the 90s that were on the Disney afternoon and on one Saturday morning and all of that. So as time progressed, uh, Jetix came in, they brought in Digimon, they brought in Power Rangers, which was the first like, oh, oh, Power Rangers on Toon Disney. Uh Uh-uh, that's the live action. Yeah, lots of Power Rangers. Oh, yeah. I, I remember being pretty annoyed at that, honestly, because I was I was an animation fan that didn't like when live action got onto an, animation. I, I just had outgrown Power Rangers by the time it was available like that on on Jetix. I, I kind of liked it, especially because they did the Dino Thunder season where they brought back Tommy. Yeah, back when, it was back when yeah. that was a novel idea. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. That takes me back. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, Dino, Dino Thunder was pretty good. I remember yeah, it was. they were airing, uh, what was it, the the reformatted uh, original from Power Rangers oh, on yeah. ABC Kids. Mm-hmm. And then ABC Kids just turned, you know, they just went off the air. And it's like, oh, where am I going to find it? Oh, there it is on JetX, mm-hmm. you know, on ABC Family. It's like, oh, I'll just continue to watch it on there. And then, oh, hey, here's some new Power Rangers thrown in. It's like, oh, hey. But mm-hmm. yeah, then it's like anime after that. It's like what what they had uh, that Beatemon show. That yeah, they uh, had the, the Beatemon show. Uh, they had Shinzo. I can't quite pin down when they got Shinzo. I want to say ABC Family era. Uh, they had uh, so many anime, like a lot of the stuff just from the Saban Library, and then they started making like. Pseudo sort of originals, stuff mm-hmm. like Super Robot Monkey Team Hyperforce Go. <laughs> Great show, by the way. Um, and a lot of less memorable shows. But the biggest thing was they were constantly airing Digimon. They were constantly airing Power Rangers. And they were eating up uh, Toon Disney hours at a time. And then they threw in, she mentioned Batman, but they actually had Batman, Superman, and oddly enough, Pinky and the Brain syndicated wow. on mm-hmm. on jetix 
at a time, which was like, why is it Pinky and the Brain just on the Toon Disney part? It's a comedy. Would have made more sense, but whatever. Who says Disney and Warner can't play nice? <laughs> that is actually more of that than you might think. But uh, after a time, it was obvious that Toon Disney had been phased out in favor of Jetix, and then Jetix got rebranded as Disney XD, which still exists to this day. And in its early days, Disney XD dabbled with a little Toonami alumni of sorts <laughs> when okay. they... They got Naruto Shippuden. Yeah. Wow. That was the only place I could find it for a little while there in the break, especially during the break in um Toonami. But but I would say that the Disney XD brand is a lot more um it, it it's a lot more consistent with what it's trying to do than Jetix. Jetix kind mm -hmm. of was an evolving uh uh a bit of a moving target as well, like what what they were attempting to do, as opposed to say Toonami, which which at the time in the early days, very specifically the best action animated block you can see, et cetera, et cetera. But like Jetix had had a kind of a range of different shows that hit different things. Like you mentioned Pinky and the Brain, and then you could find certain superhero shows and then you found live action Power Rangers and then you found Japanese animation. And so so they they had this this sort of a, a, amalgamation of different things that created Jetix. You just knew like, like the brand itself was memorable and the word was memorable. And I think that's part of where the appeal to, to, to kids went. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of nostalgia for Jetix, especially in other parts of the world where it was a whole channel right off the bat. And lasted far longer than uh, I, I think the Jetix channel lasted in a lot of regions quite a bit longer than it did in the U.S., and they like aired some stuff that didn't air on U.S. Jetix, like Shaman King and the 2003 Ninja Turtles aired in the U.K. But uh, I really out of my depth when I when it comes to that kind of stuff, so I'm not going to delve too much into it. But I would agree, uh, Disney XD was a more focused effort, though it was still uh, Jetix was always kind of about sports in their bumps. They'd like have their little. Jetix icon doing skiing things, snowboarding, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Disney XD was all about, like, what are boys into? This is our boys channel. Oh, yeah. Boys like superheroes. Boys like yep. sports. Boys like, well, I wouldn't say they focused that much on anime, at least initially. <laughs> Since you mentioned it as the obligatory female here, I would like to speak up on this point. I found challenging me and my sisters, uh, all of us did, it was really frustrating with these cartoons because they did primarily target their audience to boys. And when they did quote unquote target to girls, it was a completely different product. It was mm -hmm. like, it was like they assumed that girls wouldn't want to watch action animation. So they made it into this really sporty type of a, a, a program block. And um, I, I don't know. And, and it's so there was a period in my in my early teens and, and late childhood where I just really struggled finding shows to watch because I was not the target audience for a lot of these blocks. And I think I can speak for some other of my, my fellow female Toonami fans today that that was one of the few few things that I knew I was going to find on Toonami was a much wider appeal on that sh on that mm. program block 
that some of these other program blocks just didn't have. They didn't have the variety as much that appealed. Like, so the shows I may remember, like Witch, for example, it's because it had the appeal of, of you know, some, something more than more than a, a, a Adelson Foy's could watch, you know? And I, I don't mean this in any way political at all, but but since I'm <laughs> the only girl here, I, I feel obliged to point it out since you since you brought it up. It was it was definitely a, a definitely not it's definitely not the target audience. <laughs> little girls. So they gotta do it like they do it in Japan, where you run Common Rider and Pretty Cure back to back every mm. Sunday morning and just yep. let the audiences spill over as they might. And there you go. And, they, way to get and those audiences do spill over. Yeah, sure and Caro, sure more, they do. more yeah, about absolutely. that. More about that. It gets me so pissed about how uh, these blocks would market more toward boys at the time instead of both. Because if it wasn't for that, if like they actually presented things like more fairly, we wouldn't have a bastardized card captors because they were yeah. making Shaoran the lead to market to boys oh, that, instead they, of Sakura. Weren't. That's not. That's not really true. Uh, <laughs> they, they, they increased his prominence. They didn't make him the lead. Uh, and that's even more evident in like the full... Keep in mind, the Kids WB version of, of Card Captors is not the only version right. of Card Captors. That's what I'm saying. The way that they butchered it was to try to make him the lead. That's that's the thing. That's how it, That's how they were trying to present it, which is such... Such disrespectful to the. And, and I mean, it's it, it's also crazy because the mar- the merchandise for card captors was, was huge. Very, mm-hmm. Well, no, it was very oh, yeah. much quote unquote girl targeted. It was, but like it was still Completely. big. It was it's still like they really big. were trying to get boys to watch the show, even though the marketing and the like, even though the toys were obviously marketing to girls. So that's it's an interesting choice. On the topic of. Uh, Gender, gender, gender neutered, gender neutral. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah, on, on the topic of gender neutral targeting, after Toonami moved to Saturday nights, Cartoon Network decided to to uh, re envision their afternoon block into something that was allegedly more aimed towards both genders than Toonami was at the time, and that would be Maguzi. Which I, I think to this day is, was a fine block that unfortunately didn't last very long. And there I, were a I lot thought... of un. Sorry. Go no. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was gonna say there were a lot of unfulfilled uh, expectations for that block, if I uh, recall. Yeah. I seem to remember Muguzi being aimed towards a much younger audience. Like it had the same concept of a little. There was a little girl host, and she had this dragon. She would meet. At the start of the block, and they had its its little dinosaur icon, that green dinosaur, and it was and, a sea monster. Yeah, yeah, the the sea monster, and and they they did all these different promotional contests and things like that. But it seemed like it was really meant to be a it, its target audience was much younger. Yeah, that's like, what the, I thought. Yeah. In, in, in a sense, I mean, at the time, Toonami was technically supposed to be targeting those same kids, and that's part of the reason why it moved to Saturday nights, so that they could uh, kind of break away from that. But, yeah, they 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 did want to aim a bit younger. They wanted to aim more gender neutral. And I think the initial lineup was pretty promising in that regard. I mean, they had the Teen Titans show, which had... Boy heroes and girls heroes. You had Code Lyoko, which was fairly balanced. And then you had the two opposite 
coins. You had Totally Spies and the 2003 Ninja Turtles. Both good shows. Both could be watched by either gender, but both obviously targeting a particular one. And I, I think Maguzi as a concept was a good idea. And then they didn't really land it with the execution because the lineup never really got better than its initial lineup as they cycled in other shows and it just kind of fell apart. <laughs> but I, I mean, I mean, that, that there, there were plenty of good shows on there. <laughs> that whole shuffling of Toonami to Saturday nights. Uh, I mean, that I think alluding to what I said before or what I alluded to before, uh, I think it was just a really a sign that like that poke the downward slope of, of Pokemon's influence was starting to show and there was less and less justification for getting the type of programming that Toonami had on the air. And mm -hmm. I don't know, I, I see that as maybe a reason why that, that decline was happening around then for that type of blog. I also find an interesting correlation that at that time Tsunami still had a few, like, 90s anime. They had Yu Yu Hakusho, mm -hmm. uh, and they brought back Kenshin for a time. They were still playing DBGT. And beyond that, they were picking up more and more 2000s anime that were digitally animated. And that phase-out kind of came at the same time as they moved mm -hmm. on to the likes of Zatch Bell, Naruto, and those shows. Whereas, and also the rest of Cartoon Network kind of phased out 90s-ish shows at that time, too. So it kind of correlates all together. But I, I just find it rather interesting that Weekday Toonami is best known for its its 90s anime. You know, DBZ, Sailor Moon, Gundam Wing, Outlaw Star, all of those, Tenchi. And... There were some 2000s shows in there, like the Cyborg 009 series and various Zoids series. But a lot of those shows, and they were paired with the like Batman and Superman, which are, of course, from the 90s, and Batman Beyond, kind of tail end of the 90s, before they moved on to the 2000s shows. And that was just kind of interesting of course tsunami started out airing 80s shows and then they moved on to 90s shows and eventually 2000s shows and you know that that was inevitable i suppose but uh maguzi definitely didn't air anything that looked particularly old like static shock was the oldest looking show that they had at some point and that's just an interesting correlation to me. I think it goes back to the old thought that, uh, except for maybe Tom and Jerry and Scooby-Doo, kids aren't going to watch old shows. That's what they thought, whether it was right or wrong. I always thought that uh, Maguzi was a lead-in to Toonami. That's mainly what it was there for. It was like, hey, you put these kids shows on that were not fit somewhere in the block we'll put them in here and then oh hey here's tsunami for all the kind of grown-up kids yeah but the interesting thing is they shared a lot of shows like when rave master got kicked off tsunami briefly it was put on the saturday version of maguzi and aired right before tsunami uh both of them aired pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh eventually and one piece and zatch bell had their shot on maguzi along with megas xlr yeah, Megas XLR aired on Maguzi. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Not for long. 
bless their hearts, it was great that it was on weekdays for a time. It's just so funny. I didn't even think I watched Maguzi back in the day, but I did, and I didn't even realize it. That's the weirdest thing. I had yeah. no freaking clue. And some would say they aired Naruto, but it was kind of not on Maguzi. Maguzi ended like 30 minutes early, and then Naruto came on on weekday afternoons. It counts, Sketch. It counts. It was weird. <laughs> but if it does count, then that is just the divide between Toonami and Maguzi started pretty strong and just became gargled by the end. And ironically, as Maguzi got phased out, the new look of Toonami felt a lot maguzi e, mm-hmm. <laughs> And people didn't like that. <laughs> they did not like that at all. But uh, over in Canada, and I I do want to say that uh, Jesse might have romanticized Toonami, but (laughs) I I think I romanticized Bionics as at the time, and I was in college at the time, I looked at this block and thought, this is like if Adult Swim Action and Toonami came together and formed like a teen targeted block and there was nothing I wanted more from Cartoon Network at the time. You know, I mean, that it kind of exactly is what it Bionics was. Uh, I I was going to say, you know, if we're we're talking Toonami, it was always more of an equivalent in terms of programming to Adult Swim Action, which I know a lot of of people are now, a lot of Toonami fans are now just retroactively pretending didn't exist and are just saying it was Toonami all along, which was absolutely not true. No. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, it had more overlap with with programming with that with that block. Um, but it was targeted to a younger audience. It was targeted to that twelve to seventeen uh, crowd, which at the time for anime fans who would be watching TV, that was like the critical audience. And it, it, it's kind of interesting because you had this period uh, in the late nineties to early two thousands where you had Toonami, very successful, targeting 6 to 11. And then there was that period from about 2004 to 2010, where where uh, Cartoon Network had a block that was targeting 6 to 11 and a block targeting 18 to 34 uh, audiences in those age ranges. And it, for some reason, it seemed like anime wasn't doing as well on TV uh, from an advertiser's perspective. But then we get to like the the next decade uh, when suddenly the 18 and up audiences, the the, 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 tar- the anime blocks targeting an 18 and up audience were suddenly doing a lot better. It's almost like that audience had aged up during that period. And Bionics mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. happened to be the one, bo- the only one bold enough to target the 12 to 17 audience during that kind of mid period. Uh, so it, it definitely benefited from. YTV having a little bit of a different focus than Cartoon Network did at that time. Uh, go, going back a little bit, because I guess we're talking about you know blocks in general. Uh, I mentioned the Zone before, which was um, YTV's kind of all-purpose after-school block. Uh, never has a real fixed identity, but is always kind of evolving over time. You look at the Zone now; it's very different from what it was a decade ago, or especially two decades ago. Um, but they also had a Saturday morning block, also called Vortex. Uh, this was actually before the uh, the, the other Vortex block, uh, which Ooh, was that on... might be why the other Vortex box had two X's in the title. Actually, maybe. <laughs> yeah, this this one only had one X. Um, and this Vortex, even it still only aired like more 
kid targeted anime, but they aired a lot of the Fox Kids stuff. And I, I also have to point out that we most places in Canada did get Fox Kids because if you're in a city that can pick up Fox over the air with an antenna, it's just going to be included in your cable package. That's that's what happens with most of those network broadcasters. And incidentally, most Canadian cities are near the U.S. border, so most people who have cable in Canada have um, got Kids WB as or sorry. Um, Fox Kids as well. Some people got Kids WB. It was more in premium packages for cable. And also worth emphasizing that more people in Canada had cable throughout the 90s. It was more of a established thing or more seen as more of an essential thing uh, than in the U.S. Because, of course, our geography makes it more difficult to transmit TV over the air, um, which can which is unfortunately has caused over the air to decline here a lot more than it probably should have. But that's a whole different topic. Uh, but that's kind of why you have the situation where all, all eyes in Canada for, for kids are on like a, a very small number of cable broadcasters and not so much on um, o, uh, the over the air broadcasters. And that's why YTV is so central and important for youth broadcasting here. Um, but yeah, they also had the Vortex block on Saturday mornings and the block itself um, was a little nerdier. Uh, it was it was hosted the hosted by this woman named Paula, who I I understand actually is uh, uh, quite an anime fan. Um, I uh, from from people who have been in contact with her, but she would like fly around on a on a bungee cord, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, you can probably find some clips of it on on YouTube. It was, I'm uh, looking them up. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, it, it was a neat little block. It lasted quite a while, and I think that the way it was just kind of characterized, it was actually a better fit for anime and nerdy stuff than some of the other um, blocks on YTV. YTV was going in much more of a Nick direction at that time in like the late nineties and, and early two thousands. They had uh, it, it, almost all of the YTV videos you'll find on YouTube are from their keep it weird uh, campaign, which lasted about six years. Uh, a lot of people find it really nostalgic. I hate it personally. And but uh, Vortex was like the one section that I think was ki- kind of worked for, for, for nerdier stuff, and a lot of people appreciated it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at something like Gundam, going back to Gundam Wing on the zone, uh, it just didn't fit with what YTV was doing. And, you know, it, you, you can kind of, there are actually some clips, uh, and I can send you guys these videos if you want, if you, you may have seen them already, of like the zone hosts introducing Gundam Wing, and they're so. You, know, you you can just tell that the um, lack of faith in the show is radiating from the top in, in the way that uh, the hosts are presenting it. Um, and it just, you know, it just didn't work. And, and you can kind of see why it, it didn't lead to the zone going into more of a tsunami direction. It just kind of stuck more in a, a Nick uh, kind of direction for those years. And as a result, uh, you, you, again, you had that, that kind of period where there was a, a lot of demand for anime. YTV recognized that demand. They leaned into the demand for anime or the anime trend in weird ways that didn't involve actually acquiring the content. I know every year they would do like an Animania marathon on New Year's Eve. And the first year that they did it, it was like they part of it was a a, a marathon of X-Men evolution. I remember being um, very insulted by that as a child. Uh, because yeah, they're they have the they want to lean into anime as a trend, but again they don't they don't want to they're afraid to get into it. Uh, it's just not fitting with what they're actually doing. 
Um, dur- uh, around the time that Gundam Wing aired in like '99 to or no in 2000, uh, they also they did try launching a 12 to 17 focus block at that time called Limbo, and Limbo was a disaster. Uh, it it didn't even stay on the air for six months. It was a wild eclectic choice of shows they had daria they had the original uk version of stressed eric they had a a bunch of british shows that have kind of faded into obscurity now uh they had um they had a couple of mtv shows on there as well nothing fit together their whole marketing campaign for it um it, it was just all over the place there was no sense of focus uh, they were just trying to do too many things that that didn't work. Uh, you can also find clips of YTV's Limbo Block on um, on YouTube as well. It's uh, it's it's crazy stuff. So when they finally uh, in 2003 picked up Inuyasha and ran that on, on Friday nights at 10, that was like a huge relief. Uh, but they still at that time had the whole keep it weird thing going, and even even Inuyasha is what you know. I think we can all look back on and say that it is a show for children <laughs> for the most part um even though you know it's not exactly a, a really mature show it's still kind of contrasted other anime that they had run at that point and it still didn't really fit with the whole keep it weird thing that they had going so they launched bionics the following year uh in response to the success of inuyasha and inuyasha was extremely successful in canada it was the the number three popular Google search query in 2003. And in 2004, it was the number one popular Google search query in Canada. And by comparison, in the U.S., no anime made the top 10 Google search queries in either of those years. Uh, this is this is a, this is a, a fact I love bringing up constantly because it just it underlines how big of a deal it was, uh, how much of an impact it had on people in Canada. Um, and like we never had like, like Cowboy Bebop had never aired on TV or anything like that. So, I mean, it kind of had that impact for older viewers who would, who would have been watching, um, sort of YTV unexpectedly as well. Uh, so bionics is neat. Cause it kind of, it actually subtly carries on a few of the sensibilities of their limbo branding, but it strips it down to really, um, the simplest that, uh, block branding can be. Bionics literally, like their entire brand is just spinning text and some uh, and and some weird uh, like cracked glass tech quasi techno imagery that's obviously vaguely inspired by Toonami going on in the background. There's not a lot going on with it. They got some, you the fonts have been uh, figured out at this point. Uh, so and they are free fonts that they used for. Um, <laughs> or, uh, for, the, for the Bionics coming up next segments. And uh, they couldn't even keep track of the fonts. Actually, you can see them changing uh, in, in some of their, their logo or the, some of their promos as, as time goes on uh, because they I, I guess they didn't save the templates or something. But, um, but yeah, so, again, Bionics took a lot of those sensibilities from, um, from their previous blocks. And I, I think a lot of the uh, energy from, from Vortex moved into it as well. Um, and, yeah, it was really... In terms of like just focusing on that type of content and trying to appeal to to that kind of to that older audience, it uh, it was the closest thing that we ever had to Toonami in Canada. And again, this is at a time it started in 2004. When did Toonami 
Toonami moved to Saturday nights at about that exact same time, right? Yeah, 2004, April. Yeah. And that's very close to when Adult Swim action started on Saturdays. I actually have a question then, because yes. this was really interesting <laughs> to me, learning all of this. But um, yeah, I, I just laid it on. I just laid it on real. No, I, I I loved it personally. <laughs> I hope our listeners do too. I thought that was fascinating. Um, but I seem to recall, and and uh, I can't off the top of my head think of too many shows, but they have, um, Canadian English language dubs. Yeah. Um, different and and um the the they I think there's one that I, I think um. Bandai did a few of them. They, they, th- I, I believe that they have a studio in Vancouver, and then um, there's one Blue Water Studios, and I know Blue Water because they dubbed a series called De Tor- Del Toro Quest, which is one of my favorite series. But I'm curious. You're big in if- Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and but they they dubbed it in Canada, but it made me think like what? So so when they did some of these Canadian based dubs, were they showing them? You know, for the ones that are dubbed both in the U.S. and Canada, were they showing Canadian dubs specifically on air on some of these blocks? Or is that just for production and, and sale of the, Ooh, the video? Getting into the CanCon question. Well, can, yeah, I kind of I kind of brushed over CanCon a little bit. So I want to just there's one myth I want to dispel. There are very, very, very few shows that had separate dubs produced in Canada and in the United States. This literally has only happened, like, I can count on one hand the number of times that yeah. this has happened. They but were of course, Most of them I were Dragon them. Ball. I liked them. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and um, usually when this was done, it wasn't done for Canadian content purposes. But a lot of what happened, what drove um, anime on television prior to everything I'm talking about specifically uh, was Canadian content laws, because... Um, you have like broadcasters have to run a certain amount of Canadian content uh, in order to make sure they don't just run American programming all the time and to make sure that they're funding productions and making shows that they can run. Because, of course, Canada, Canada is a you know, we have a, a population one tenth that of the United States. Um, and if you're in the English speaking, it's different in the French parts of the country, but in the English speaking parts of the country, uh, we're completely bombarded with American media and it's very difficult for Canadian productions to get attention without protectionist policies. A lot of people hate that, but it's, I mean, it's, it's the truth. And uh, the policies, these don't always work the way people want them to, but I, you know, I think that they are important and it's becoming controversial again in Canada right now, because they're trying to pass new legislation to find ways to make it work online. And that's obviously a lot more difficult. And a lot of people are not happy with those, uh, th- those attempts, but I'm not going to talk about that today um, on television. Uh, one little loophole that happened was that shows that are dubbed in Canada count as Canadian content. So uh, YTV could totally abuse this uh, this loophole and uh, throw anime on that's been dubbed in Canada and and meet a large part of their Canadian content requirements. Mm. And that that didn't result in us getting more shows. Um, in fact, we got less. We like we never even saw. Ronin Warriors never even aired in, in I Canada. I was wondering. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know why we didn't yeah. get that one. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but the shows that we did get would be run over and over and over again. It's a big reason why Sailor Moon was run so prominently here compared to the United States so much earlier is because it was a Toronto-based dub. Um, and a lot of the, you know, 
a lot of shows that ran in the U.S., especially in the 90s up to the early 2000s, had their had their dubs done in Vancouver by Ocean Studios. It wasn't owned by Bandai, but they sent a lot of their work there. Uh, mm-hmm. Like most of Gundam was dubbed. Like every mainline Gundam TV series was dubbed in Vancouver or Calgary at Blue Water Studios, which was they're connected to Ocean Studios as well. One of those two studios. Um, right up until Iron-Blooded Orphans. Iron-Blooded Orphans was the first Gundam mainline TV series to not be dubbed in Canada or be dubbed in the United States instead of, of Canada. And uh, you better believe I'm bitter about that. Um, but yeah, the 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 fact that so much content was being sent to Vancouver, because it, it was cheaper to do it that way, to have the dubs done in Vancouver or Calgary. And now it's the opposite. It is the it, uh I mean, it, it depends how you break it down. It, it gets really complicated when you get into there's so many like union versus non-union studios now. And then you weigh union versus non-union in the U.S., union versus non-union in Canada. It when you it, it just gets really complicated. And like when companies like are in the same city as a studio, it sometimes just is more economical for them to do that dubbing in the same city that they're located in. And so much is, you know, with, with whole dubbing studios in Dallas now and more anime companies running out of LA. Um, I mean, that, that, that synergy just of keeping them, keeping the dubs in those areas, just, it, it does make sense. Uh, but I am still angry that there's so much less stuff being dubbed in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like the fact that so many anime and cartoon dubs were done in Vancouver, in Vancouver or Canadian cities, at that time, it was critical to the way that show, those shows aired in Canada and the way that they created fan bases and, and, and um, found so viewership. They, they, they did play uh, Black Lagoon somewhere in Canada, right? They sure did. That aired on the G... Oh, we'll get into the G4 Tech TV block, but they, uh, they ran Black Lagoon. Uh, they ran it uncut, too, uh, which is awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. We I had, just kind of we funny. had to bleep it here. <laughs> yeah, um, and and I'd probably be safe to say that that would not have aired if not for the fact it was recorded in Canada. Uh, no, they see G4 Tech TV had a direct deal with Genion. All oh, their that's content, true. all their content came from Genion. Uh, and I don't know if they were even bothering to file things like Canadian content for uh, for those shows because they they had a lot of Canadian content on G4 Tech TV at that time. Um, but, uh, and it, uh, interestingly, their lineup died basically at the same time that Genion did. That was really unfortunate because they worked so hard to get that thing off the ground, um, to begin with. But just going back to, to YTV for a sec, uh, the fact that anime was still being, a lot of it was still being dubbed in Canada around the, the late nineties and early two thousands was, still a driving force by the time that Bionic started. It's probably it probably factored into why they picked Inuyasha as their like first quote unquote mature anime that they ran because it was dubbed in Vancouver, of course. And uh they well, they still brought some of those actors back uh for for Yashahime as well. I'm again kind of bummed that they didn't just send the whole thing here. Uh well, I mean, you know, people have their opinions about Yashahime, of course. But <laughs> it is a <laughs> bit of a head scratcher why they yeah. went to the effort to but on the bright side this might have been the only way to get david k back yeah yeah they they did they did get david k back that's for sure um but uh yeah and it's, it's kind of funny because uh when they launched bionics they had they licensed 
you know, going back to what I said about broadcasters licensing titles from uh, multiple titles from a single company, they licensed uh, Gundam Seed, Witch Hunter Robin, uh, and Dot Hack Sign were their first three acquisitions from Bandai Entertainment. Uh, and, it, you know, I think they were going for Gundam Seed specifically because they wanted to follow up on Gundam Wing, which was a familiar, familiar title, title to them. And, uh, you know, Gundam Wing still did well in Canada, but it just wasn't the kind of success that it was in the States. Obviously, it couldn't have been because it just didn't have the same type of time slot. Yeah, which Hunter Robin seems like the kind of show that would be bundled. <laughs> and Dot Hack it, Sign, exactly. too. And, you know, I got to say, I know Witch Hunter Robin's perceived as uh, as like a failure or like a not no, not a as notable show. a show on Adult Swim. Uh, it was a, it was a pretty big deal for the few months that it was running on white TV. And again, it, it just came back to not so much the quality of the show, because, you know, it's very much a, a not 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 a very exciting show most of the time outside of a few episodes. Uh, but it's just so different from everything that YTV had run and from, for a lot of the younger audience, any anime they had seen up to that point. Uh, so I think a lot of people clung to it because of that. It was their cowboy bebop. <laughs> <laughs> maybe in some ways, maybe I uh, didn't, it didn't have the staying power of cowboy bebop. I really? actually, I'd be curious. I'd be curious to go back and evaluate the nostalgic power of witch hunter Robin and YTV now. Um, uh, it, it would be a, uh, interesting thing to look into maybe maybe that's something that funimation should look into they have the rights to it uh, maybe they should do some of that that market research in canada um but yeah it, it, it it's interesting uh, when bionic started they did have like more of an emphasis on shows dubbed in vancouver because they had gundam seed and gundam seed did did well uh on bionics it uh, it certainly seemed to do better there than it did on toonami in the oh, states yeah, you guys got destiny and we did not <laughs> Well, Destiny is not much of a reward, but it's still... No, it's, Destiny is not a reward. Um, yeah, <laughs> but uh, it did illustrate that, that Seed did well. And they had we had a less edited version of Gundam Seed because Bandai just sent YTV the unedited video, and they made their own edits, um, which no were very... No disco gun for you guys. And no disco did, guns. They did they films made... for you all, too. Um, the Inuyasha films and uh, um, some other films, and... I, I saw in my research um, the uh, Full Metal Alchemist, I believe, and then there's uh, Bleach, one or two Bleach films, right? They they yeah. they didn't just do um, like like a I, I don't know how they they would have marketed it. You'll have to tell me, but I imagine it was something similar to you know, Toonami, the way they would have specific nights where they would have a, a special film, you know. Yeah, they, they totally did. They, there wasn't a lot of special marketing so much. Mm -hmm. um, I, I need to emphasize that the the Bionics didn't have a lot of promos that ran outside of Bionics. Uh, a lot <laughs> of it. Ran, tsunami. <laughs> yeah. And uh, actually, there weren't a lot of promos that ran inside Bionics either. They didn't. They really relied on just people to follow the block, uh, mm. and just follow what was posted on their website to see what what was running. Mm -hmm. Um. It's. Uh, I think they they tried to keep the marketing. Ah, what a website it was. Yeah, it, it was barely a website. It was one page. They never devoted more than one page to Bionics on on YTV's website. But here's the I shows. Mean, here's some images. Yeah, exactly. And but it it's all they needed uh, because I mean I think Bionics was a real word of word of mouth kind of thing. And in that sense, it's very different from Toonami because Toonami so much of what defined Toonami was the promos. 
and the way they promoted the shows. Bionics felt like it was stepping back a little more um, mm. and just kind of letting the shows speak for themselves. Wow. Uh, really which, minimalist approach. Yeah, I just looked it up. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Which uh, is, I had a question about the like the voiceover. Is that Ian James Cortlet? No, the uh, the guy who does the voiceover for the Bionics block, his name is Eddie Glenn. Uh, he he actually has been the voice of all YTV promos since about 1990s, mid 90s, wow. I think. Uh, and he still is today. And yeah, and they they actually just uh, run his voice through a synthesizer <laughs> uh, for the Bionics <laughs> promos, uh, which works. Um, but I mean, I mean, the minimalism of Bionics, it, it probably seems kind of uh, kind of cheap. But for YTV, it was a kind of a refreshing approach, especially when you compare it to like other stuff that they. Yeah, do. it's a lot less in your face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so, and I think that so it's like that combination of trying to you know emphasize shows that had Canadian dubs, uh, building on viewer demand and interest that had been pent up during that kind of period when Toonami was big in Canada, or sorry, Toonami was big in the U.S. and we didn't have an equivalent up there, up here. And um, just, uh, yeah, just just a, a, a good calculated marketing decision that really helped Bionics become a big thing. Uh, so much, again, that it caught attention from people in the U.S., even though, for the most part, they were running the exact same programs. Almost everything that ran on Bionics over its five-year run was stuff that ran on either Toonami or Adult Swim Action. Um, they 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 ran they had a few interesting acquisitions later on. They ran in, they ran Invader Zim, yeah, uh, which was the only Nicktoon that for some reason YTV would not would not show. Um, I guess somebody, of course, must have not liked Invader Zim very much because they would not get that show. But they picked it up for Bionics. It was okay for the Nerd Block, and they ran it at midnight. On Bionics, uh, they ran Samurai Jack, the second half of season four on Bionics. Another thing that they, I think, YTV had kind of given up on the show at that point. But again, you can throw it on the nerd block and people will appreciate it there. Although they had no promotion at all for Samurai Jack when they put it on. Um, oh, going back to CanCon, they always they kept mainframe uh, entertainment shows running on the block as well, because I guess they felt that it would be uh, a good fit and. At that point in time, like Reboot and Beast, Be- well, Beast Wars, although it was called Beasties when it ran on YTV. Why was it called Beasties? Oh, God. So, oh, that's a horrible name. It is a horrible name. Oh. And the reason is because YTV didn't like the idea of the uh, word war. war being in the title. And normally they wouldn't, you know, they, they would just let it go for most shows, but they were... Um, they were producers for Beast, Beast Wars, so they had the power to have a different version made that changed the title. To that something is so stupid. silly. That, yeah. that's, that's really silly. But on the that, flip that's side, that's some yeah. teenage mutant hero turtle bullshit. Yeah, it, that, <laughs> and a lot of people think that it was because of some law in Canada. A lot of people think that it was because of some law in Canada that they had to do that. That's not true. It's just because YRTV had the power to make that have to, to make them change that because of their because they were putting money into the show, so they did. So but was the, the full flip- title Transformers Beasties? It I was. can't take that seriously. Wow. <laughs> well, at least it's not just Beasties. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Also, but on the flip side, look at War Planets became Shadow Raiders. Shadow Raiders. In, uh, in Canada, <laughs> which I think is a better title. It's not a bad title at all. That's yeah. it's pretty good. We, yeah. we should do this. We should make that a fun little mini game at the end of every podcast. Let's Canadianize like some of the more, <laughs> some of the names of different anime. Uh, what are we going to call Food Wars? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Food Battles. No, no, it's still it's still violent imagery. You're, you're right, you're right. Uh, food showdowns. There just, we go. That's actually a more accurate term. Uh, just call it food porn in Canada because yeah, it, you might as well. That, that that's fine. They, YTV can go with that. They're they're okay with that. Uh, not <laughs> just not the the war part. <laughs> no, no wars. Yeah. Um, they, didn't, they didn't play War in the Pocket over in Canada. No, that we didn't see. We didn't even get G Gundam in Canada. Which that is mind blowing. Uh, it, it doesn't even make any sense. Like Gundam Wing did well enough, you'd think they would have, you know, at, at least picked up G Gundam as something they could burn off late at night uh, to, to 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 keep that audience happy. But they didn't. Um, I, that was a very weird thing that they. Um, I, but I think also the lack of Gundam that we got also helped Gundam Seed do better because yes, like we possible. had we didn't get the original Gundam. So people weren't as overly familiar with that story as people who had watched Tsunami might have been. So the, you know, when in the early episodes of Gundam Wing, where they're kind of repeating those beats from uh, from the original series, it doesn't it's not quite as grating because it's, yeah. you know, it's more it's kind of new to you. And mm-hmm. you know, that, that helps a bit. Uh, so, I mean, there wasn't that sense of fatigue and that that kind that kind of helped things along there. Uh, but. Yeah, when Bionics, after, in, in its second year, uh, it, they kept getting more Bandai titles. They got Ghost of the Shell Standalone Complex, which was really shocking at the time because that seemed completely outside of the type of content that Bionics would, or YTV would pick up. And they, they ran that one at midnight only. And they, they ran it mostly uncut um, compared to like Gundam Seed, which had aired you know, with quite a few edits, but still largely intact. Uh, the year before, uh, but notably when they when YTV was running Ghost in the Shell, they they skipped Jungle Cruise on the first run, um, which a lot of people were upset about because uh, they skipped the whole episode, <laughs> and it seemed like they didn't even they weren't even really aware of the content until right before they ran it. They did run it eventually mm-hmm. though, and they kept it in for most of the subsequent runs when they realized that nobody actually cared. I can't remember. Uh, that's the one with the guy who skins people. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Actually, it was funny. My uh, my girlfriend's a big fan of, of Standalone Complex, and she actually said, mentioned that she had never seen that episode or didn't know it existed because it, it didn't run on that first run on Bionics, <laughs> which <laughs> I should show it to her. Um, so, oh, what? Gotta, I got to... What else? They, they they ran when Naruto started. It actually wasn't on the Bionics block. They ran it kind of before Bionics, and I think uh, the reason for that was because it was the Toonami version, which you know was barely edited, but it was still kind of pitched as a, like more of a localized show. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, geez, I uh. But eventually, my memory, my memory's slipping. Sash I Bell and Naruto ended up on Bionics, right? Yeah, eventually they, they, as the uh, but not four this, kids, one piece. No, we'll see. <laughs> as you didn't miss anything. 
so, so far, Bionics, um, when it started, uh, it, it ran from 9 p.m. until midnight. And then they would repeat shows after midnight, but without the Bionics branding. But it, it expanded very quickly. It went past midnight. They started adding shows exclusively after midnight after a certain point. Um, and then it eventually expanded into the 8 p.m. hour uh, as well. And that's kind of when Naruto became more a part of the block and they included Zatch Bell. But for those first few years, they kind of kept the, the more localized shows out. They focused on specifically on shows that they felt were more uh that were that were more older hmm. oriented more oriented towards anime fans uh again that that's a really tricky line to draw and it's really subjective I um mean, naruto's dub itself kind of drew that line and then halfway through the first season they were kind of like yeah we could loosen this up a bit yeah exactly yeah and that's the thing. Naruto started. It, it, it like there were a lot more edits in those early episodes. So mm-hmm. that, that's probably what fueled that decision uh, yeah. early on. And oh man, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for Bionic. Someone has messed around with this because uh, yes, Pretty Cure Five Go Go did not air on Bionic. No. Uh, someone's listed Pokemon here that's also not on Bionic. So again, some some pranksters. Well, a Pretty uh, Cure show did air in Canada. Oh yeah, that that you know what I'll I'll get to that um, uh, in a bit with uh, Bionics. I'm trying to remember what aired the. Uh, I think they finally added Full Metal Alchemist. Yeah, Full Metal Alchemist uh, case Alchemist. closed. Yeah, uh, so that was that, that was interesting because when YTV licensed Full Metal Alchemist, that was the first time that they ever actually worked with Funimation. They never licensed Dragon Ball or Dragon Ball Z through Funimation. They right. actually, Ocean Studios in Vancouver was actually the interme- intermediary they worked with for licensing Dragon Ball for the entirety of the time that they were airing it, including the time when they were airing the Texas dubbed episodes. So Ocean Studios was still involved with Dragon Ball Z, even after... Funimation moved the production to Dallas. They were keeping their fingers in that pie, mm-hmm. and they ultimately wound up making their own dub later on, actually primarily for the European market uh, because it was funded by AB Group in Europe. Uh, contrary to popular belief, they didn't make that separate Canadian dub for Canada or for CanCon reasons, but YTV started airing that version because it was just obviously there was now a Canadian version that they could take instead of the Texas version. So it made more sense to air the version that could help them fulfill CanCon requirements instead. Right. Um, but anyway, Full Metal Alchemist was a big deal because people uh, were under the impression that YTV wouldn't work with Funimation for whatever reason, but that finally changed with that show. And of course they attached a show to a Full Metal Alchemist and that was Case Closed. And unfortunately Case Closed is kind of the big failure of Bionics because they uh, it's the only show where they didn't air all of the episodes they licensed. They uh, they licensed 26 episodes. They only aired uh, 20. And they also started th- throwing live action stuff on around that time because uh, YTV had to start increasing their um, their their CanCon uh, and other requirements so you saw shows being uh being added like dark oracle and monster warriors i don't know if those ever even aired in the u.s before oh and zix zix aired the u.s right 
I think. <laughs> Some yeah. of those shows. Are I don't not blame you for forgetting. Entirely. Yeah. Uh, they didn't belong on the block, but they, you know, they they had to throw something on there. So I guess they they went with that. Um, but yeah, overall, like during during that time, they were getting anime was running on weeknights as well. They were running Gundam Seed, uh, Full Metal Alchemist, and Inuyasha all on weeknights from like eight thirty to to ten for quite a while, and that was uh, that was a really that was a really cool time. Um, but up it only lasted uh for a little while and you know they they still kept the momentum going for a little while after that but once they got death note that sort of marked the end of of the block uh they let death note run mm. till its final episode uh but right after death note ended um bionics was demoted to saturday nights instead of its usual friday night block and uh, it was never the same again. Uh, it pretty much just became the Naruto and Bleach <laughs> block and a few other shows packaged hey, with you, it. You get the big hitters in, you know. Yeah, I know, but it's like before you were getting stuff like when you were getting stuff like Ghost in a Shell and Full Metal Alchemist and Eureka 7 and Death Note. Like it feels like a big step down to just go to be reduced down to nothing more exciting than Naruto and Bleach. I mean, you know. You know, you look you look back now, and and uh, you, you you don't know what you've got till till it's gone. But yeah. kind of sucked to see that happen then, and that's when a lot of interest in the block declined too. Mm-hmm. Oh, they they ran Futurama <laughs> as well. Wow. That was a that was a, a weird inclusion, but they were they were there was a lot of synergy going on with Teletoon at the time, who was running Futurama, and this was like a prelude to Chorus ultimately buying Teletoon. Uh, they own both of those stations now. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, and then Bionics ended kind of with a whimper. It was just basically burning off the final episodes that they licensed of, of Naruto and Bleach. Mm. Uh, and yeah, then it was, it was done in 2010. Uh, but, uh, the, the final hurrah for anime on YTV actually was not that block. It was when they aired Pretty Cure, they aired the Calgary produced Pretty Cure dub from 2009 to 2010. And, I was really hoping that that would uh, be the resurgence of anime on the station, but it was not. Uh, it, uh, I don't think it did very well. A lot, a lot of people remembered it. Um, I did an episode on it for my podcast recently, and mm-hmm. I, I did a little asking around. And I was surprised by how many people were nostalgic for that show or got into anime from Pretty Cure. Um, oh. But uh, but yeah, it was still cool that they ran that though. That that dub was very true to the source material um it was com- almost completely intact basically good stuff uh, but yeah since when that ended that was pretty much the end of uh, of of anime in general on on ytv and then they um the few kid shows that they had like they were running things like like uh like beyblade that all moved over to teletoon as um chorus kind of continued that synergy and eventually mm. teletoon kind of became the home for for uh you know shows for six primarily targeted at six-year-olds that uh um that you you kind of always see airing um anyway i've I've said a lot about bionics i guess uh i should touch on the other blocks too you got you you wanted me to mention yeah uh like we haven't talked too much about uh adult swim action but aside from tsunami 
a whole lot of blocks came out of when uh, Adult Swim action kind of hit big with Cowboy yeah. Bebop and Inuyasha and Fooly Cooly and other channels were like, oh, we could play anime. And boy, did a lot of channels do that ever so briefly. Always <laughs> so, ever so briefly. One of those uh, in the U.S. was uh, Tech TV, which yes. later became G4, Anime Unleashed. And G4 also existed in Canada, but it was uh, a, a bit of a different beast from the U.S. It, one. It was. Because um, I, I know that they ran that block, Anime Unleashed block, on um, tech TV in the States for, for a while. Uh, but it kind of... I mean, w- w- what shows were they running on it again? They had... And Anime Unleashed had a whole lot. I did. Wasn't there a show called Blue Seed? It was like mm-hmm. a sort of a twist on an Inuyasha type story. Um, I remember yeah, watching Blue that. Blue Seed, Boogie Pop Phantom, Crest of the Stars, Dual Peril, Trouble Adventure, Gadguard, Gatekeepers. Uh, eventually, they got shows like. R.O.D. the TV, Razafon, Magical Shopping Arcade, Abinobashi, and Cromarty High School in the mm-hmm. G4 days. I remember seeing the 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 Gungrave and yep. wondering Gungrave. what in the world am I watching? Like Last that Exile, was, uh... Gungrave. If there was any show, well, there's probably a couple of shows that Anime Unleashed aired that Adult Swim probably wanted to get but yeah. didn't, and Gungrave was probably one of them. Uh, probably R.O.D. the TV, considering Adult Swim played the OVA, and uh, eh, maybe something like Razafon, but definitely Gungrave, probably Last Exile. Serial Experiments Lane, I mean, I know yes. DeMarco loves that show. Serial Experiments Lane, yeah, and you know what's what's great about about the anime Unleashed is that they, they did have that same sort of style of, um, of, of sort of edgy darker animated shows that that would have appealed like that certainly appealed to me now but i was just starting to get interested in when they were doing this in like 2004 yeah, they, 2005, they were 2006 kind of following in the steps of uh, sci-fi saturday anime yes and, and also adult swim action which initially was kind of a bit more tsunami ish probably because the tsunami people were making the promos mm-hmm. but eventually they moved towards a more uh subtle marketing form and and kind of chill relaxed lots of real uh, uh lo-fi beats and stuff like that and a lot of networks either aped that or just went very minimalist and anime unleashed was pretty minimalist i was watching some of the old promos it sounded like david k was their uh announcer guy which is pretty cool <laughs> I mean, if you can't if you can't get Peter Cullen or Steve Bloom, David Kay ain't bad. <laughs> he ain't bad at all. Yep. But that lasted surprisingly from like 2002 to 2006, and survived the transition from Tech TV to G4. But over in Canada, G4 was a different kind of beast. So it's it's kind of funny because when Anime Current was declining on g4 tech tv and it felt like they were trying to get rid of that content or move away from it uh g4 tech tv in canada was trying to make a block happen 
um, all certainly in response to like the success of Bionics. Like they they wanted a piece of that pie too. Uh, but the problem was their license uh, didn't allow it. So unlike in the U.S., Canadian cable stations have to be licensed. Uh, they're unregulated in the in the United States for the most part, but in Canada, uh, they're all regulated by the CRTC because the idea is that uh, these stations need to produce specific types of Canadian content, uh, which you know that's not that doesn't really line up with reality, but that's how they they wanted it to work. So G4 Tech TV, the intention for that station was you are the channel that creates like tech related content. Uh, for Canada, and they did not—they were not permitted to run scripted drama content or scripted content um, on the on the channel, and wow. they had to have their license amended to allow scripted content in order to add an anime block, and it took forever. It took like over a year for them to get this approval. I think I, I think it took a couple of attempts too. Um, it finally happened, and when they did, they made a direct deal with Genion uh, to get co- anime content on uh, on the station. Uh, and originally, it didn't run as a block. Uh, they just kind of ran through uh, various shows. The first one they ran was uh, ROD the TV, and they ran it uncut with the nudity and everything, uh, which was awesome. Um, they ran. Uh, they also ran Trigun. Uh, they ran Gunsword, uh, all, you know, pretty much all the Genion titles that you would expect that hadn't run on Canadian TV already. They ran Paranoia Agent, um, which is really cool. Uh, as they worked through the content, they eventually created a block called Anime Current. Um, actually, sorry, I made a mistake. Uh, at, ROD the TV actually kicked off the Anime Current block. Um, I think the first ones they ran on the station, I think it was a like Gadguard or something. Uh, you know, huh. yeah, Genion. Played, Genion that stuff. played on G4 as well. Yeah. And they ran, they ran Lane. They ran, you know, all the stuff that, that you'd expect. When they switched over to Anime Current, it wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't an amazing block. Uh, it's kind of the bare minimum, but it did the trick. Uh, again, I think a few ads have actually surfaced for it finally. On, on YouTube in the last couple of years. Um, what they did what they did in later in the block was they actually would um, run four days a week and they'd run a different show each day, which I thought was really great. Um, hmm. Unfortunately, that's I, th- I think in reality, that's actually not the best way to run a block because you're not going to get people to watch. Uh, different shows all in one sitting uh, or at least it's hard to do that when you're going to be able to tune in every day and get something different. Uh, oh, notably they did run loop on the third as well. They actually ran oh. all, all of the episodes that Jenny on dubbed of that oh, show. part two. Yeah. A part two. And from what I've been told, it performed horribly, <laughs> uh, uh, but oh. uh, they still, they still stuck with it. And they ran the whole thing, which, uh, which was cool. Um, but unfortunately that, that block eventually fizzled out. Um, and they probably would have kept it going huh. if Genion hadn't died. Um, in, when, when did Genion die? Well, that was in 2007. Something, uh, so, something that. around that time. Um, is ANN right about this? The Ghost in the Shell 
second gig aired on Anime Current? That is completely incorrect. A second gig never aired in Canada. Oh, sad. Yeah. And, and, and what's especially sad is that it's harder Apparently to edit. Neither did Wolf's Rain, as we Wolf's talked Rain. about before we started recording. <laughs> Wolf's Rain did not, uh, unfortunately. Um, and, and yeah, so. So just Jenny on shows from the sound of it. Yeah. And they, you know, on, on honestly, it did. The anime did OK for them, but it didn't do well enough um, that. Weren't they also getting like Adult Swim reruns yeah so that's the thing um it did okay but it didn't do well enough for them to bother trying to uh, sign a different deal with another anime distributor um so what they wound up doing uh was they started exploring different types of content instead they licensed the it crowd for a little while and then eventually they started running adult swim content because teletoon uh lost interest in adult swim after a certain point they were around the same time that bionics was running they were actually um doing a pretty good job of getting adult swim originals on the air but after a certain point they just kind of stopped and then g4 tech tv picked up the slack and uh and ran the stuff and then they also (laughs) eventually stopped and then that stuff was just not most of that stuff was just not really available in canada at all until 2019 when um the current Adult Swim Canada started running. And even they have materials issues. There's some stuff that just has not run on the station at all and probably never will uh, for the back catalog. But, you know, you can't... That's what you get for relying on a you know, broadcaster or a linear broadcaster for stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah, an- Anime Current... Sorry, Anime Current shut down November 2008. So that was pretty much after... Um, uh, hmm. after uh, Jenny on closed down and, and about a, a year before Bionics ended. Uh, so yeah, that was uh, the, you know, sad story of, uh, of anime on G4 Canada. Yeah. Uh, did the Marvel anime air anywhere in Canada? Oh, uh, yes, they did. So actually, actually only one did. Uh, and that was the Iron Man anime. So interestingly, th- that aired in like 2017 on a children's uh, channel called Family Charged. They aired it Saturday mornings oh, unedited. That's right. Um, it was really weird, uh, and it, it was really you know, it was really weird because they were running the show the way they did, and it didn't seem to be connected with any kind of content licensing deal that they had and it didn't lead to them getting any more anime or similar superhero shows so i have no idea why that happened it was just this weird blip um huh. as far as i know none of the other um marvel anime has hmm. uh has run here on tv because yeah, all those ran on g4 in the u.s yeah in 2011 yeah uh, but there was one other block um for anime that aired. Ooh, detail. So this was on a channel that was called Razor. Uh, Razor existed from 2005 to 2008. So they were originally MTV2 uh, back when ah. a company called Chum Media owned the MTV brand. Uh, but they rebranded it as their own thing uh, as, as to Razor. And it was a neat little channel. They experimented with like lo- people live texting comments uh, on shows as they aired and then trying to run the comments 
uh, during the show. It didn't really work out that well. They had to like warp the aspect ratio of the shows to display the comments, and it was all <laughs> muggy and stuff. Um, but you know, they were they were willing to uh, take risks like that, which was cool. And when they first announced the channel, they said that they were going to be running Slam Dunk and Airmaster, uh, two Toronto-produced Toei dubs. Unfortunately, that never materialized because uh, Toei canceled those releases. Uh, but about a year later, in 2006, uh, they miraculously added some anime titles to their schedule out of nowhere. They added Basilisk, Samurai 7, uh, and Trinity Blood. Oh my God, uh, you just triggered me with Basilisk. Oh, <laughs> that is such yeah, a yeah. horrible show. God, triggered, triggered, triggered. I, I, a lot of people liked it and watched it on that block. I don't um, know why. I don't yeah, understand yeah. these people. I don't understand. <laughs> and I should I should also emphasize that rate, this is a deep cable station. This is not like this is not basic cable. Uh, Nor should it be. Here. That should yeah. not be on basic cable. Yeah. But. <laughs> Nonetheless, um, these three shows uh, were part of a new block that they launched called the Kamikaze block. Uh, the branding That's is cute. That's cute. Well, yeah, the, the the branding is pretty much probably what you would imagine it to be. Uh, it is quite it was quite racist actually, um, and it actually uh, well okay I, maybe maybe by today's standards maybe I don't think people um, would think of it necessarily that way at the time. But as you look at it now, it's just like yeah, that was a bad decision. And well. it also makes you appreciate the minimalism that uh, the YTV went with on Bionics um, and really emphasizes how that was really a good move for, for the way that they did things. Uh, the Kamikaze block started with those three shows and, um, you know, they did well enough. But more importantly, that led to them licensing Cowboy Bebop and Samurai Champloo later that year. In 2006, I have to emphasize that neither of those shows had aired on TV at all in Canada at that point. And uh, that was the first time they showed up. And they ran them a lot. Uh, they ran them very, very frequently. They did well uh, for that station. And then uh, later on, they picked up um, they picked up Chin-Chan. And oh. <laughs> yeah, and that was pretty much the last anime they ran on that channel. Uh, and that was good because it took a while for, for someone to get Shin-Chan. Uh, speaking of things that haven't aged well. Uh, um, 2006, they would have had to get Bebop from Bandai, wouldn't they? Oh, they did. That was a Bandai license. But Bandai had a, a studio there, out there, too. So I, I would imagine that wouldn't have been too challenging. Uh, well, no, Bandai, when they had stuff dubbed in Canada, they sent it to Ocean Studios, which they, they weren't formally connected to Bandai, but, mm -hmm. you know, they, they, they sourced a lot of work out there. Yeah, there wasn't, like, a Bandai office in Canada. Yeah, there's, there's no Bandai it was, Canada. It was, it was uh, I think they had an office in Los Angeles. Yeah. Vancouver, too. Did they, uh, if, if they had an office in Vancouver, oh, you know what I think? Bandai Namco. Uh, had an mm -hmm. office in Vancouver around that time, but that was that's for what I'm thinking. Maybe yeah, it was for video games. They didn't okay. do any anime. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that that actually, I don't think that would have factored in. But Bandai was always really proactive with at that time with getting their stuff on Canadian TV. Like, you know, when they got Gundam Wing on YTV, mm -hmm. basically the same time that it was running in the U.S. Even though it, you know, YTV kind of. Um, uh, it, it was slow on the uptake with that, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and with Bionics, they were right. They were the first company there with uh, w- with Gundam Seed and, and Witch Hunter Robin and Dot Hack signed. Uh, and a, a lot of that was because of uh, Jerry Chu, who was working at, at Bandai. He was always really committed to getting content um, yeah. to Canada and making sure that you know, Canada was being served. Uh, yeah. And he I mean, he, he left Bandai not too long after that. And uh, he, he's one of the handful of people who, have, who were working in the industry at that time who I can say, like, you're one of the few people who really tried to make things work in Canada. Most <laughs> uh, most didn't. Um, but yeah, so. After Shinchan, um, actually, it's not even that uh, Razor had dropped anime. It's that Razor stopped existing. Uh, and that's because Chum, the company that owned Razor, was purchased by Bell Media, who is one of those two companies that owns all private broadcasters in Canada that I talked about earlier. Um, and once they were bought by uh, by Bell, they were instantly these stations were instantly gutted by everything that made them unique. Uh, and in the case of Razor, that was everything. They turned it back into MTV2 again um, almost instantly. And I think it was, yeah, not terribly interesting in any way. Uh, however, it's worth noting that um, Chum also owned Much Music. Much Music is a channel that I think a lot of Americans may be familiar with. It was in many ways our MTV, but they did a lot of different stuff as well. And they even had a bit of a presence in the U.S. for a time in the 1990s. Uh, unlike Razor, Much Music was basic cable, uh, widely viewed, um, probably the only uh, channel that had a wider like 12 to 17 audience than YTV did. Uh, Right in their final days of being owned by Chum uh, before they were bought by Bell, uh, Much Music aired anime as well. They aired one show, it's a very notable show, they aired Beck Mongolian Chop Squad. Yeah, baby. On prime time, um, almost two full runs within the space of about a month and a half. That's beautiful. Uh, and it was a big deal. A lot of people were watching that show. A lot of people were talking about it. Uh, and it was awesome. They like it, I, I know that um, MTV in the States experimented they with They censored the language? Uh, so they ran the, it was the censored version that Funimation produced. Funimation did produce a version that didn't huh. have all the swearing uh, in the English speaking. Where's the fun in that? Yeah, and that's the version they aired on. They took on, the F word to an art form in that dub. Yeah. Here's the funny thing. Uh, much music actually, when I uh, was inquiring about this, back when I was running my old Zon in Canada website, because I used to be blog before it was a podcast, uh, they sent me a screener uh, for Beck. And the screener they sent me had the uncut version on it, which I thought was kind of funny. And this was before Funimation's release was even out, so I was one of the first people who got to see that. Um, uh, I still have that screener disc. I actually got it signed by Osamu Kobayashi, uh, the director of Beck, uh, when he was at SakuraCon a few years ago. And uh, he, of course, passed away uh, very, uh, very suddenly and and young earlier this year. So uh, that's something I'll cherish. Uh, But unfortunately, Beck was wiped off the schedule, of course, once Bell acquired uh, Much Music, and that was kind of the end. (laughs) Uh, Until, yeah, until later this year, when we're getting um, Blade Runner 
Black Lotus on Adult Swim. Oh, but those Rick and Morty shorts aired. Oh, and the Rick and Morty shorts, yes. They uh, they were anime that aired on Canadian TV. They count. Yeah. yeah. You did you did mention MTV. I don't recall too much of what MTV... I mean, obviously, Aeon Flux is sort of anime. Well, they Peter ran... Chung's Aeon Flux. But MTV 2... They ran Heat, Heat Guy, Guy J. J. Yeah. They, they ran Heat Guy J of all shows. Just kind of... I mean, it was a time when MTV2 was just trying different things. But that's that's pretty cool. And that's going to kick off our, our look at various channels that just kind of dip their toes in an anime. <laughs> we have IFC with Samurai 7, Basilisk, Gunslinger Girl, Hell Girl, and uh, the Witchblade anime, among uh, also plenty of movies. Uh, Encore Action played like a lot of anime for a, for a time, and uh, Star's Edge also played some. I remember watching Vandred on Encore Wham. Vandred! Oh my gosh, I've been trying to remember what the name of that show is now. Yeah, that great that great show with the battle of the sexes. I loved Vandred. It was a it was, it was a pretty interesting show. I, it was, I, it I was enjoyed stupid it. fun. It was fun. Yeah. Uh, gosh, there was uh, a kind of like much music. There was Fuse TV in the U.S. that decided to run Ergo Proxy, Tenjo Tenge, and Petit Cosette. <laughs> okay, <laughs> why not? That shows only like three episodes, so that's an interesting choice. But I definitely remember watching Ergo Proxy and uh, Tenjo Tenge, and they they had like no marketing whatsoever. I, they they might have had like promotion of some sort, but when you would tune into it, there was like nothing special about the bumpers. Stars Edge ran Black Lagoon, the original Hellsing, and Desert Punk. I think they ran Desert Punk. They definitely ran Black Lagoon and Helsing, which uh, mm-hmm. some of these channels almost seem like they were just taking potential shows away from Adult Swim, <laughs> which is a bummer. And then many, many years later, after after our beloved current Toonami started airing uh, the Chiller Network, which is owned by Comcast which is also owned by Sci-Fi, and we will get to Sci-Fi in a moment. Chiller, for like three weeks, no kidding, ran a two-hour anime block with Is This a Zombie, The Devil May Cry anime, Black Blood Brothers in Tokyo Majin, and a hefty amount of Tokyo Ghoul promos. They went <laughs> like all they, in. and it Like they work. really wanted to play Tokyo Ghoul, clearly. But they never did. You know, that's it for three weeks. And the, I remember seeing the ratings for that. The first week, they were pretty bad. By the third week, they were abysmal. I remember <laughs> seeing the Black Blood Brothers and really wanting to watch that show. And then because the block ended, I was like, whoa, whoa, what? What now? What Funimation. now? Yeah, Funimation, of course, they came. They came and then they had the channel and I saw it there. But but that was like that was the only thing I remember from that that was redeemable in my in my eyes was like, oh, Black Blood Brothers. This is something new I've never heard of and I want to watch it. It was a pretty old show at the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, you have to think think about what the newest thing they had on there was. Is this a zombie? I'm pretty sure. (laughs) 
which is an interesting choice for your first show. <laughs> that was the that was the the headline show on that blog. Yeah, um, it shouldn't have been. <laughs> I'd like I enjoyed that show for what it is, but that you probably should have like started with Devil May Cry. <laughs> probably. No, a little, was, little bit of recognition. Devil May Cry. I've I have ranted about this in an article about the 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 way they 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 had that one annoying girl character that was just she was just insipid. So I I'm not gonna say too many nice things about Devil May Cry as far as the anime adaptation. <laughs> I don't think a lot of fans would, to be honest. Right. I mean, the design for Dante was great, but um. They they just the story the storytelling was not great. Storytelling for that show was terrible. And then there was Spike TV that only ever aired one anime, and I think you know what it is. <laughs> Good old Afro Samurai starring Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, that that is the only anime they ever aired. I'm kind of curious why they never played another anime. But yeah, is what it is. The men's network. Like they, like they, they like co-produced this thing. <laughs> they obviously had a lot of faith in that much, but not enough to even dabble as much as IFC did, which is kind of a shame. But oh well. And then of course, around this time in the late two thousands, there was the whole the Anime Network, which is marketing was always like. Anime's so cool and weird. <laughs> and the Funimation channel, which definitely aped like uh, late era Adult Swim action bumps in their way of promoting things. Which, I mean, if you're going to borrow from somebody, you might as well borrow from that. But I remember there was a syndicated, well, it's not syndicated per se. Uh, there, there was a Funimation anime vlog on Colors TV. And that's where I got to see more of Case Closed. Uh, gosh, what else did they play? Uh, Negima. They, I think they played Tenchi GXP. They played, um, I, I want to say Kitty Grade, Yu Yu Hakusho. Uh, quite, quite an interesting smattering of things from Funimation. Didn't last very long. Oh, the Slayers. They did play a lot of the Slayers, which was cool. So they had some of the older shows on there, like Yu Yu Hakusho, Case Closed, and the Slayers, which is nice. Uh, some things that got to air on uh, other channels and some that didn't. So, And then you had the whole Funimation channel, which... I loved the Funimation channel. That was the best idea. Bring it back. Please. Uh, it doesn't really work in the current context. Now you can just go to the Funimation website and just... Because the schedule, I've always, like, take a peek at the schedules of these channels and be like, wow, they play the same things a lot <laughs> over and over and over again, despite having way more titles to pull from. But, I mean, that's just kind of the way I always am with schedules. I, I, I One of the, the, the benefits of having a channel do it rather than streaming is you're going to, for streaming, you're going to go seeking out something specific. But when you have it airing on a channel like that, especially one that's 24-7, mm -hmm. at any given time, you're not only going to find anime, but it'll be something you don't, you may not normally seek out and you yep. may like and enjoy. Yep. And I found loads of things on the Funimation channel that way. So many, so many. It really reignited anime for me. 
that and then um, the the sci-fi block. It just it showed me, you know, how this could grow with me and all the different things, all the the variety that I could see. So I I, I love that. And regardless of how the models have changed for streaming, I I really would like to see aside from Toonami, a cable a cable block or a cable channel that just has something else like this because because you know like like Toonami can keep its brand it managed to survive as we've mentioned already so far all the different little box that came and went but and that wouldn't change and it still have its fandom but there's no reason why an, another channel like or a comeback of Funimation couldn't work my suggestion to you and to all our listeners that want something kind of to that experience pluto tv has numerous anime themed 24 7 streaming channels for free they do they're they're pretty cool you can check out a number of anime that way Mm -hmm. for free i have to second that they have some good good and if you just want to watch one piece or naruto or Yu-Gi-Oh, or Yu-Gi-Oh, you can do that there are channels dedicated to just those shows and you know they have enough episodes for it And uh, one, we did mention uh, DBZ Kai's reign on Nicktoons, but well before that, I I completely skipped over this in uh, 2002, and this actually lasted longer than I thought. It lasted uh, almost a year, of August 2002 to March 2003. Nickelodeon had a once a week block called Slam on Sundays. That is an acronym that meant Super Large Action Madness. Okay. They only ever aired one anime, and that was Speed Racer X. And to my knowledge, I don't think this dub has surfaced anywhere else. Oh, was that the run where his, uh, it was his son, right? Speed Racer's son. He had two sons. It was Speed and Mach or something? Maybe. And this, but, No, that aired... was the Next Generation. Yeah, might have the been Next Generation was the Nick, Nicktoons show. Uh, so Speed Racer X, and then they paired that with the likes of Invader Zim, and they had a special version of Robot Wars for Nickelodeon. And eventually they played Men in Black the series, which would have been great on Toonami. It's a shame they didn't get it. And then Butt Ugly Martians and Super Duper Sumos. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, boy. This, uh, this would have been a great place to put Avatar eventually, but it was gone by then. <laughs> So that's that's fun. But it started with sci-fi and let's end it with sci-fi because in the mid 2000s around the time that Adult Swim action was doing pretty well and Toonami was kind of fading out, sci-fi uh brought back anime to their lineup with a block called Animondays which eventually moved to other days. <laughs> And a yeah. Tuesdays, and eventually it was like Anna Thursdays. Yeah, and then it just disappeared. It was all so sad. And probably but, its crowning achievement was it got Gurren Lagann and Gundam Double Zero and Monster. Monster. <laughs> and, 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 you know, the best thing about the Anna Monday, the sci-fi block, is when it initially in 2008 started uh, advertising. It was supposed to advertise for June. It was very much a, a, an, an adult theme. 
like I was, I, I, you know, it would have been my late teens, early adulthood. And, and that would have, that was the style of, of anime I was looking to watch that edgier, more dull content, even though they went and pulled some nostalgic kind of like they did, they brought back star blazers for a while. Like it, it's, it, everything, everything they played stayed true to the sci-fi. And this is before it was sci-fi with a Y sci-fi with an I theme of like sort of space and science fiction and science fantasy, et cetera. But like the edginess they had, I think they had, um, Guyver on there. They had the show called Chrono Crusade, um, which, which had like this, this super powered action, like ass kicking none. Um, they had, uh, uh, monster, as you mentioned, which if for anyone who doesn't know it is about a, a, um, a serial killer and it's like a and actually they did a lot of these horror thriller horror thriller shows and then action space shows and then a smattering of movies and ovas so they 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 kept like i think it was pretty thematic of like what you would sort of expect on toonami but they would throw in some some really adult type content you know, which is what justified it being on late night. And I, I loved it. I, you know, was in the last part of that being in high school, not supposed to be up that late, but, but I was like sneaking down into the basement TV, like eating it up. This was great stuff. This was, this was just exactly what I was looking for, you know, just on the wrong day, wrong day of the week, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. They, they had so many, I remember watching, um, what was it? Uh, the Final Fantasy uh, movie on there. Oh, right. uh, yeah. Final Fantasy. You had Fatal Fury on there. Uh, Ghost and Shell. Um, and then just weird stuff on there. Solid state yeah. society. The yeah. search for vengeance, Highlander. Like I loved that. Like bring, give me more of this shit. <laughs> yep, totally. This good stuff. And and it was it was cool to see like even though some of the stuff did cross over with things you could probably find on Funimation it was like I wasn't you weren't really seeing mo- majority of what they were playing you weren't seeing anywhere else you know you couldn't Actually, go on TV and watch it on I TV I mean I'm not talking about like streaming or buying no I mean I don't think like any of those things were on Funimation they had I mean the the um. Well, Gurren Lagann played on 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 uh, Toonami, of course, and so did Ghosts in the Shell. So that's what I mean. Like, well, yeah, they had the old eventually. school Casher and like Kashan Robot Hunter, like the old school Casher. And so yeah, they had Macross on there for a bit. Yeah, they played Macross Plus. But <laughs> speaking of Toonami alums airing on Sci-Fi, they were playing Rave Master for a while, like. It, it was just the old dub that was you know, censored for Cartoon Network. <laughs> That's pretty. Rape Master it... aired aired in on YTV, didn't it? Nope. Uh, I don't believe Rave Master aired in Canada at all. Oh, well, all right. <laughs> this this out, I guess. I, I I will admit I could be wrong. Let me let me check. That sounds right. I there's so many of those kid targeted anime dubs that surely did not air anywhere in Canada, but for some reason I felt like Raid Master might have. Maybe it was on Teletoon instead. No, it definitely wasn't on Teletoon. No, all right. T- T- Teletoon, which 
I didn't really get into the in this podcast very much. Um, they have a they've aired some anime, but they have sort of a history of being adverse to anime, which is always unfortunate because you know they've always had adult targeted content uh, in their late night hours, mm-hmm. and they've always um, you, you know they had they don't have as yeah. many restrictions as Adult Swim has. So, Until a tune at night existed before Adult Swim. Uh, sort of. They they've had multiple adult blocks over the years and it's just unfortunate because like they've run stuff that could never run on or could not have run on adult swim and mm-hmm. the fact that they never really dabbled in anime beyond a few movies uh it's a real missed opportunity they did run akira years before it ran on adult swim and they ran it unedited uh and they ran it quite a bit so it probably did well but it's uh mm-hmm. but that's yeah, obviously just yeah it's akira it's it's an exception. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah, uh, yeah. Rave Master, pretty yeah. Never that did not run in in no. Canada at any point. No. You know, it, it, interestingly enough, it it's a little bit baffling about something like the 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 sci-fi Monday model not surviving past 2011 because it essentially does something similar to what today's Toonami Block does in terms of having edgy, action-oriented, um, science, fantasy, fiction, uh, uh, action. No, uh, I already mm-hmm. said that. Um, you know you know what I mean? Like, it has the same style and, and shows that I would imagine even back then, like like people like, like Jason Marco would be salivating over. So so I find it very Yeah, curious. they probably wanted Gurren Lagann at some point. Yeah. I, <laughs> Obviously, I they played curious. it eventually. And then they went through that whole Street Fighter. I didn't watch Street Fighter, but I know it was on there. I remember seeing it. But but um, I, I just find it very curious that it had such a short run because it's a model that we know works. And the only thing I can think of is a the the um, advertising for the day of the week it was some some combination of that, and they didn't want to um, they didn't want to conflict with a weekend show with tsunami, so they're like oh let's have it be a week weekday nighttime one, and then and then it just didn't work because it's like well I don't want to be up at you know nine to eleven on a on a Monday watching yeah. I got to work tomorrow type of thing. That's the only thing I can think of because otherwise, like when you look at this when you look at this list and you talk about these shows, like these are these are the kind of the, you know d- those dark side shows that people uh, that that people would want to see. It's those hidden gems, hidden hidden gems of anime that make Toonami so attractive. That's yep. what made Anna Monday so attractive. Mm-hmm. Anna Monday was kind of they had those heavy hitters and they went for it and they succeeded for a bit and then i mean due to probably money due to a lot of different complications that you know we can't see or know um Mm -hmm. they just went out and i mean they went for the blaze of glory and they got up there i mean i don't know if they got to the peak of tsunami but they got up yeah, there with the, the well. heavy hitters that they had. I mean, they didn't last as long as Adult Swim action, much less Toonami, but they they left they left an impression. They I had do some feel like fun the bumps. They had sorry. Ah, uh, I feel like the bumps are kind of uh, 
They were really, uh, um, what's the word? Um, Dude, she's your sister. Yeah, they were, they, they were hilarious because they were pretty, pretty uh, risque, for lack of a better word. They picked yeah. some really interesting, interesting moments, but they were fun bumps. Yeah. <laughs> so as you say, many blocks tried. Some succeeded better than others. We all have nostalgia for various things of our youth or our adulthood when we were in, you know, high school or college. You know, those formative years when we developed our tastes. And it's fun to look back on these things. But we've been talking for an awful long time, and I think we've uh, pretty much covered everything. <laughs> what, if, what do you guys think? Uh, any... Any lingering threads? I would say the final thought would be what what made Toonami last and what made it work and why some of these went away. And I think that Toonami mm-hmm. has that um, the, the, that slight adaptability today where they still provide some of that edgy material, but also that popular material that people want. Though I would like, I would like to go back a little bit to them bringing bringing hidden gems. It's a theme we've talked a lot about on these podcasts, but but yeah. So so what makes Toonami work? What makes it survive? And and not just the dedicated fans, though that's a huge part of it. But, I but think content. it's the dedicated staff. Oh yeah, they and the network, you know, giving them the freedom to do it. Mm-hmm. So many mm-hmm. networks just dabbled in anime they tried to ride the trend when it was high and then as the bubble popped and more and more shows didn't really become the hits that they'd hoped that they would or just the finite nature of so many of these shows like you could air them once but people wouldn't come back again for the next airing like not everything's cowboy bebop so there's so many factors that went into it but i think ultimately what it comes down to is Adult Swim just crazy, and they do what they want. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. And they have determined that if you treat something with respect, if you don't talk down to the viewers, then you can last a good long while on that goodwill that you develop over years. And I, I think I think that goes a long way. Toonami figured out what the zeitgeist was they hit that nail you know right on the head and the other ones tried to follow up either it was a trend or if they were really going to go forth into it and some and most didn't survive and i mean with Funimation tv with the tv channel neon alley i never seen any of those and i seen like the what the promotion of it and i'm like man i really wanted to see that but my only access at that time was what Toonami, Anna Monday, um, some of the G4 stuff. I think the only thing I seen of that was maybe the Marvel anime. The rest of it, I didn't have any frame of knowledge aside from like the terrestrial stuff. But it's interesting, but it's like, hey, Toonami did it. And, you know, you don't know how long we have with it, but you have to appreciate what you have and what came from it. And Absolutely. the future to go by and say, hey, you know, if Toonami goes or it finally, you know, sunsets, there might be something else on the horizon. Or you can just say, hey, you know what? This is what we have. Let's cherish it for 
what we have now. Absolutely. Beautifully said. Mm -hmm. Any closing thoughts, CJ? I want to go to bed. <laughs> That's his closing yeah. thought. This, uh, this has gone on longer than I thought it would, but I, I feel like it's been very interesting. Yes, so no, so I want to say, Jesse. I want to say, yeah, I well. enjoyed Jesse's commentary. I really love it, but it's midnight and I have to wake up for 7.30 today. Like, ooh, I, ooh, I want to go to bed. Ooh. I'm sorry. That's that's not the good midnight. <laughs> no. It's the bad midnight. I honestly, yeah. I can't wait to re-listen to, like, Jesse's part because, like, I really found it fascinating, especially learning about like the intricacies of Canadian television. Because oh, I, you should listen to his podcast. I absolutely will. But I, 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 I will I, too. I definitely need to go to bed. But no, Jesse was a wonderful guest, and I honestly wish that I just had more time to honestly listen because it's fantastic. It's very, very, very good stuff. Considering I work in television myself, so like, well, thanks. I, I really Thank love you it. Absolutely, one hundred percent. One hundred percent, right there. It was amazing. Just hear a different side of TV. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and on my podcast, that's kind of what we do. Sometimes we just talk about general anime news, but you get slightly different perspective. Because I'll have Sketch send me US. the the link for that for sure. One hundred percent, please, Sketch. Yeah, yeah. People should check out Zen in Canada. It's, it's a good show. You find it at zanin.ca. All right. So, Jesse, where can the people find you on the internet? So, uh, yeah, Zonin Canada at zonin.ca. You can also find me on Twitter at jbetteridge. Uh, there's also a Zonin Canada Twitter at Zonin Canada. That's uh, Z-A-N-N-E-N Canada, all one word. And, uh, yeah. Okay. Stephen, thank you for participating on this podcast. And where can the people find you? Um, I'm on Twitter. Uh, Twitter on MXAGOS, uh, that you can find me there. And then I stream on Twitch on Wednesdays and Saturdays at the same place at twitch.tv.mxagos. All right. Kuro, where can they find you? You can find me on tsunamifaithful.com writing editorial uh, articles. You can find me on Twitter at happykurokitty. And occasionally you can find me hosting the Tsunami Faithful Ladies Takeover podcast. So, Look forward and listen to those. It is not just for ladies, but only ladies are the speakers. <laughs> I enjoyed that first one. Thank I you. look forward to the next. Thank you. My man, CJ, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CJ Mafferis. It's And you can find all my stuff on ToonamiFaithful.com. Uh, you can also find the Toonami documentary that we did this year, or I should say this past year, on our YouTube and Facebook channel of what Toonami means to me. Definitely hope you check those out. And all sure. all the interviews uh, that were conducted will be released in their entirety on our Patreon page. So definitely make sure you check them out if you're really uh, interested in what uh, everyone had to say of what didn't make the actual documentary. Uh, we just recently released uh, Dini Melodies, which was a real fun one to re-listen to. So hopefully you guys have a chance to check those out when you can. They're definitely worth it, guys. Check them out. You can get the Toonami Faithful Pass by going to patreon.com backslash Toonami Faithful. And you can find me on Twitter at Sketch1984, where uh, I have opinions on anime and video games. And you can find my uh, regular co-host, Mr. Paul Pascrillo, at Paul Pascrillo. And uh, wish him a uh, 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 something, because he just had another baby. Yeah, send send best regards to him and his and his family. It was actually his birthday recently, and Laser Kids. 
They were like a day apart. Well, happy birthday. birthday. Thank you. Mine was Saturday. Oh, you you were before them. I think. Yeah, it was you. It was you. And then Paul, well, (laughs) Laser's older than all of us. We're all, that's true. We're all summer babies. (laughs) Yeah, we all know what your parents were up to in the winter room. <laughs> I mean, it's a good time to have kids, right? <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a it's a good time to make kids, rather. Yeah, <laughs> make it, babies! Yeah. Thanks, Sketch. You're welcome. <laughs> and I uh, hope you all enjoyed this podcast and uh, the other podcasts that we put out. And uh, thank you for listening. And until next time, we're punching out. Hey.